This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello out there, uh, disaster divas. There, we... We're, I don't think we've teased this at all. We just have we just have a great episode in store for you today. And frankly, I'm I'm thrilled to say hi. It's me, Jordan Cruciola. Uh, and me, Amanda Smith. <laughs> Amanda Smith. And we have a guest with us today who has brought one of the the most sweeping of disaster epics of all time to our doorstep. So, guest, <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself and the movie that we are going to discuss today? Yes. Jordan and Amanda, Jason. Um, I'm Paul Feig, uh, <laughs> director of many movies, and yes. uh, and I bring us one of my favorite bananas films of all times. Uh, the weirdly, the 2009 made <laughs> epic. <laughs> 2012 or 2012? 2012. I had a couple friends when this was coming out who became obsessed with like, because it's based on a real Mayan calendar prediction, yeah. right? Yeah. They became right. obsessed with that. And it was truly, for them, it was a truly horror movie going experience. Like they, it was like, okay, well now I'm, now I'm terrified. Like I went, I left that theater with people who were terrified of the Yeah. Well, they, they, very funnily, they gave us like a couple of years to sort of stew over it versus putting it out in 2012 when you think yeah. that would have happened. Yeah. yeah. But, um... <laughs> Is the mailman there, Amanda? Uh, UPS has arrived. I really apologize, everybody. <laughs> no, Kit is uh, a classic well, dog. just like 2012, there's a dog in, in our podcast, so. Yes, yeah. yes. The it's dog just, is the dog is warning me of the UPS delivery guy, much like uh, playing Adrian the part of Caesar. Us. Yes, playing or the part us. of Caesar uh, yes. will be yes. Amanda's small dog pit. Oh my god! I was as I was watching just to cut, as I was watching that dog walk across like a cable. All I could think was Kit would not manage that. <laughs> the end of Kit. He, 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 is, lost he would time. one. He'd be like, "Oh my god, look at all these humans who can pet me," and he would not come to me. But then two, yeah, he would plunge to his death. My dog is too stupid for that. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> I I was so taken aback by the special effects in this movie are so good. Yeah. This yeah. movie still looks so amazing. Like yeah. I the thrill I was feeling at the uh, as you know, as we will get into the quintessential run from the disaster scenes. Mm -hmm. Um Watching Los Angeles fall apart on itself, watching the West Side slip into the Pacific Ocean, watching, I mean, watching a prop plane turn into basically a fucking X-Wing exactly. and just swoop through canyons that used to be the West Coast. I mean, I was, I was transported. I was and you, transported. You, and the power of that earthquake was so strong that it made the Randy's Donuts donut roll all the way from the west side into Hollywood. I was gonna ask, where okay. is that Randy's? Amanda, you are so from here. So very I, far away. Where is that <laughs> supposed no, to have been? I have we're, like in, we're in Westwood. <laughs> no, so that's the thing, is that he's in Manhattan Beach and she's, I was trying to figure out. No, because he's on, she goes to visit them, he goes to pick right. them up at their house and, and their supermarket yeah, is in Westwood. Right. Yes, I was trying to figure out where exactly this route was going and it was like how Waze sometimes sends you and you're like, why are you doing this to me, <laughs> yeah. Waze? Yes, 37 right. turns. I was trying to figure it out. They, 
And it made, until you said, I had forgotten that they were in Westwood because as I was watching, I'm like, this tracks, you're going up from Manhattan Beach up through El Segundo, going north right. towards Santa Monica to be very like- The California. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> this is I. This is actually a very part accurate of living conversation. Here and I love it. No, it's yeah. part well, of living here and I, I love that. And I can't nail them on this because I am actually, uh, I've done this in movies. I made, I made a movie called Last Christmas last year about London and literally yes. they're walking down one street and they turn a corner <laughs> and they're about five miles away so, <laughs> so it, it's movie uh you know movie geography so uh but man just, rolling the iconic randy's donuts you could it not at that <laughs> how point. could you not i, I mean i mean what there there is the one like, thing this movie was missing was that they didn't just throw in an angeline uh billboard like <laughs> oh my which it was really, still time. They could have done. They could have had her pink, um, uh, you know, Corvette come through, uh, riding Angeline on a wave of destruction. Deserved. Angeline yes. deserved to be honored in 2012. I Amen. feel like yes, we need to. We've honored her in the 90s. She needs to be brought into the 21st century. We need to have her, and then the Dennis, the Dennis Woodruff car as well. Uh, oh my God! Yes. See, they have been surfing on a wave together. <laughs> well, they, they showed great restraint by not destroying the Capitol Records building, which, yes. which the movie Earthquake, a really uh, original, a really did. original move on their part. So yeah. thank you, Roland, for uh, for not going too cliche. Yeah, I, he does love destroying downtown. Like Roland oh, yeah. is now it, it, with 2012, he took it out. I'm trying to figure out what his next way that he'll take out downtown is. Well, he seems to hate Las Vegas. Too. <laughs> what was the other? He took Vegas out in another movie too. I forget which one. Would it was, that have been Independence Day? I, I believe that, that was it. Oh, Isn't yeah, there a guy? He's like he's having an affair and he's standing at the window and all of a sudden he sees something coming and it blows out. And he oh my gosh! I think you're. I forget which what one was, was that. All right. Well, it was, now the, I it was in the trailer for one of those movies. I okay. simply need Roland. to revisit Roland Emmerich's entire pre-Stonewall um, movie disaster yeah. canons. <laughs> so go. I'll have to do that. <laughs> um, I, I will say, like, I feel like we, we dove into this scene so quickly. I do have to say, when they're ripping through town in a limo and Gordon says, take the freeway, it'll be faster. Fucking when? <laughs> no one has ever. ever said. The only time that the freeway has been faster in Los Angeles was when they shut down the 405 <laughs> for Carmageddon. <laughs> yeah. And yes. during the pandemic. Pandemic. Or the pandemic. <laughs> so clearly this was made by somebody who does not live in California. <laughs> no. And this is, that was like, that was the, that was the, the, the thing that you learn, the thing that you learn after living, as you live here is that, oh, the, the people, the real people here know, don't get on the freeway. Like right. you do, you do sometimes if you check out maps and it's looking coast is clear, but otherwise the people know the surface streets. They know yeah. how to get everywhere that does not involve an honor and opera. Well, especially so, if like, your job is to drive a limo. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> to drive an oligarch around in a limo. Oh my I mean, God, the Russian a, oligarch. <laughs> oh, oh my God. I, Having had right. no exposure to real Russian oligarchs, I can say totally authentic. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> authentic Russian oligarch. We buy it. We totally buy it. Mm -hmm. But I guess we're probably getting ahead of ourselves, right? I, we, go. we, I was gonna, yeah. I, yeah, I'm I sorry. Ask, I, no. I, got out of, out of, I was too excited. No, it's I, too spectacular. I just want to know, like, I mean, I don't even know that we need to do a summary of it. I want to know why did you, why did you choose 2012? What brought that? Why? Yeah, did, what? Because you what brought like to your disaster about loving heart about you? this. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, uh, Jordan, like your your friend Alana from from the Simple Favor podcast, mm -hmm. I too am a, a maximalist. I, yes. I really appreciate. Oh, when I'm the goes, I'm the resident pod maximalist. I'm oh, you are. Oh, is it you and not you. Alana? Yeah, oh I'm my god, I'm so yelled sorry. At you about the ending of your movie and how great oh, it was. Oh, you know what? Oh, then the bisexual you know, Alana, circus sorry, was. You're out, no, no, Jordan. Alana is far more classy <laughs> than I am, oh, and I I want the bisexual circus. Oh, okay, well, good. Yeah. <laughs> we get it all. Yeah. Um, no, I. I so 
when I saw this movie, I remember just going like, oh my God, I've never seen so much of everything. First of all, it's got the highest body count of any movie ever made. I mean, oh, we're into vicious. the billions. Billions. <laughs> like I used to think Star Wars was because they blow up a whole planet. But right, even yeah. then, he says, I heard millions of voices rise up in one. Well, right, that's yeah. nothing compared no. to literally taking out the entire population of the planet. And the amount of the amount of detail shots amidst millions we get of people dying and being in terror is, yeah. is savage. This movie is malicious. It, oh, yeah. be, because also they are used for comedic effect in certain moments. Too. Yes. <laughs> right? I forgot how weirdly fun, like not how funny this movie is because the jokes do not. <laughs> I, yeah. Look, I, I love this movie, but also I got to say jokes don't land. Oh. Um, not I mean, the- I was laughing my ass off. It was working for me. Yeah, exactly. I have to assume it was intended, you know, because yeah, right. uh, I've been accused of that too. People go, oh, they, they think they're laughing at me. He's like, no, I intended you to laugh at that. So yeah, I'm going to give Roland a pass on that. I, 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 I love everything Roland's ever, but there are moments where I'm like, this is supposed to be comedy. I'm not sure he's trying for it. But then the parts that aren't necessarily supposed to be funny, sometimes truly. Um, yeah. yeah, when they're flying through downtown and you just see the sides of the building and they're just people falling out of it. Just people. Well, and just, it's kind of comedic, like, oh, look out, whoa. Yeah, you know, yeah, there's, right. there's a thousand <laughs> people falling to their death, but they're kind yeah. of a funny <laughs> obstacle course for us. I mean, and then it then it turns into like the pre-roll at a at a <laughs> like Cinemark movie theater in 1998, <laughs> where you have the LA Metro crashing through the wall in the yes. crust that's opened up. Yes. And it doesn't just fall straight down. Down, it manages to careen on like a beautiful gravity arc yes. until it hits another surface and creates an incredible explosion behind yeah, and it. Yeah, bursts into flames, thus incinerating all the innocent people. <laughs> all of them, all the commuters, all right. the commuters. It's little so old ladies like driving too slow, and well, it's like okay. oh, little oh, old ladies driving. <laughs> my here, and I'm jumping ahead. My favorite crazy gag in this is we've established <laughs> now. From the meeting with with uh, you know where he's he's met by um, you know the government official Chidwell, yeah. uh, oh my God, you wrote that book. You know the, my problem with that book is that I don't believe you are too optimistic about people, yeah. and the people will pull together and really help each other. Cut two. Driving down Beverly Hills, a couple of old ladies in front of them. Get out of the way, you old bag. You old bag. <laughs> and then gets around them and we watch them die, crashing. We, we watch them, we watch them like kvetch Horrible. about their groceries before getting a sidelong shot of two old ladies in an old sedan. <laughs> careening into a fucking wall exactly. and surely dying on impact. Oh and my I think God. we're supposed to kind of go, hey. <laughs> and just like, I love the feet. I love the occasional moments that we get of this, of the kids processing what's really happening around them. Cause it's like, oh yeah, let's ground us for a minute and yeah. remember that these children will never recover really. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, Right. Let's 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 look at their tears for a moment and remember the gravity of what it is we're seeing here. Because it, there's a great like trick that this movie pulls, which is that they like you watch all the earthquakes happening, you see the volcanoes and stuff, and you're like, oh, okay. Like I remember watching it last night. For I had forgotten like about how the tsunami happens, yeah. and I was like, oh, maybe like once all the earthquakes and volcanoes has happened isn't everybody who wasn't on a new fault line like safe like oh like you just have to ride this out for like two days and then it's like oh then all the oceans of the world will siege surge so much so that the 
fucking Himalayas will be drowned out. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, as like they're going to a clean sweep, like truly Noah's Ark this shit mm-hmm. yeah. and flood the entire world. <laughs> Except Africa, which we'll get to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gets a free pass. We'll get to. Well, also, the, the whole, well, I mean, should we, should we again, I'm, I'm jumping all over the place. I'm leading us in a, in a, in, into a mess here. <laughs> but I guess we should start with the science of, of this. Right. Which apparently, Amanda, you, so what, what the, the, the catalyzing problem here is that this is an, this is an interesting, I feel like, blip into the disaster movie timeline because it's we we love a sun disaster that offsets the entire world. There's nothing to do. It's interesting watching this movie now that there's really nothing to do with climate change in it. Like we have our yeah. crazy conspiracy theorist in in Woody Harrelson, but he's not a, a part of his line of attack is very like deep state kind of anti-government, but he's not like we've been ruining the world and we have to reap what we sow. This no. is very much just like the sun has acted up in accordance with the timeline presented by a Mayan calendar and a solar er- ser- series of solar eruptions have produced such an insane amount of neutrinos that have pummeled the earth that it is causing physical reactions in the Earth's core where it is heating up and it is getting so hot that it is basically turning the entire interior of the planet into liquid, right. causing the surface like plates to shift on uh, around on the goo. It's having and a microwave effect. I'm yeah, a microwave effect. And, and Amanda, what was that theory called that gets thrown out in the movie? So first I just want to say I love Charlie because <clears throat> in my head, if Charlie <clears throat> had survived, he would be Q. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it sort of tempers the fun because you go like, he's probably mm. a Trump supporter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, that little ham radio he has, 37 million people are listening to that. It was yeah, funny absolutely. back in 2009. In 2009, it's yeah. so Now he's totally queuing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, exactly. Now he's 100%. He's just like talking about <laughs> foods being code for trafficking. Yeah, now it's Pizzagate. <laughs> um, so, okay. So there is a thing that in the 1950s, Earth crustal displacement was a hypothesis proposed by this guy, Dr. Hapgood, okay. who was so that's not, a real he's a real figure. This is well, let's let's talk about who Dr. Hapgood was for a second. Okay. Dr. Hapgood was not a geologist. Dr. Hapgood had no geologic training. Dr. Hapgood got super into their the lost continent of Mu, MU. Lost oh. continent of Moo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah Jason, just, Jason just fist bumping on A you. follower of the lost continent of Moo, Jason. So lost con- I, just, I just love it's already getting so insane. I'm, just, I'm rooting for this guy. I want him to. As soon as I, I, you guys, I went through such a Wikipedia wormhole because okay. it was one of those things where I kept having to click following links because yeah, yeah. I had to be like, no, this is crazy. What is this about? And then I kept going further and further. You so, okay. followed the breadcrumbs, if you will. I, and you did and, your research. Oh, God. The witch's castle that it led me to. Um, so, <laughs> Lost Continent of Moo was this thing that had been floating around in the 18 and 1900s um, where they basically were like, that's Atlantis. It was sort of like interchangeable okay. with Atlantis. And they found tablets in Guatemala or something. Okay. There's and always claimed, a tablet. There's, <laughs> they, they, he claims there's a bunch of tablets. The guy who found Big them, like it comes there. into, yes, it comes into a prophecy and like- It was a prophecy. A, yeah, it was a prophecy. A prehistoric, <laughs> it sort of seems like an ancient alien situation where okay. there was like a prehistoric society of super intelligent beings, that sort of, you know, general realm of crazy. Okay. So anyway, lost continent of Mu, it sinks to the bottom of the Pacific. <clears throat> as continents are wont to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
Dr. Hapgood was like, I'm going to create a theory about how that could have happened. So the other thing- Which any to- of us just could do with enough time. Yeah. Sure, I mean, because right. this is already the setup for like a hacky screenplay. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's, yeah, it lost cotton of moo, why not? And Tablets. And it, it could just hey the Church of Latter Day Saints got. I was just oh, gonna I mean, say, look, I, yes, I come a from a lot of good money off of tablets. Like, there was a lot of crossover hacky, as I was reading it. <laughs> I was almost bummed as I was reading it. That I was like Mormonism could have gone into such a cool direction. <laughs> yeah, we got. <laughs> and they just chose multiple wives and no caffeine. When they, they could have been like lost. They chose Utah. They, they chose Utah. Chose Utah. Yeah, to be fair, true. they do have the whole thing where like you think right. you're gonna be a god after you die, which is, I mean. Right. That is fun. Yeah, there is another planet, right, where you have yeah. all your wives or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but Amanda, you I, look I'm lost sorry, in I'm, thought. I was, I was processing the another planet where you get to be God thing, which sounds <laughs> yeah. pretty awesome. I won't lie. Yeah. It also leads to a lot of problems, I would think. Anyway, yeah, I yes. would imagine. I, I was also I was also considering the whole lost like lost continent of Muta as a as a pun. <laughs> Muta? Muta. What, what happened? Muta? What happened in Muta? <laughs> okay, okay. But so, anyway. The one thing I want to ground this in is that this was happening in the 1950s when there was this thing called continental drift had been proposed in the early 1900s. Right, okay. They were trying to figure out, they knew that there had been evidence that there was some connection between the continents and they couldn't figure out why like okay. South America would then have a mountain range that would then connect with like Africa and they couldn't figure out all these things right. about what the mechanism was. We didn't have that information at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, Charles Lyell, who was, was it, Al- no, it was, uh, sorry, uh, Alfred Wegner was this uh, German geologist, actual geologist, who in the early 1900s basically was like, what if the continents plow through the ocean seafloor? Um, and everyone was like, that's bananas, that won't work. Why would yeah. you just like, you can't have it plowing through the ocean seafloor? And Hapgood was like, that's absolutely ridiculous. No, no, the crust should occasionally just melt and all the continents will just rearrange. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh. also, the poles will so flip. like someone hits the lament configuration and this thing just shifts. Yes, everyone, yeah, it's basically yeah. It's like if you just suddenly melted the ice cream and you had the hard like chocolate coating shell on top and it all just slipped around. Okay, that was periodically, periodically okay. for no good reason. And that's of course how we lost the continent of Mu was because oh. of this cataclysmic event that okay. happens when we whenever. Wow. Um, and so that's crustal displacement. Uh, Earth crustal displacement. Okay. Um, Einstein did write the foreword for that. Hey. That's oh, that's a good endorsement. Well, he, he okay. Yeah. In, exactly. Yeah. All right. So that, that was actually true. But... It's like the Dalai Lama getting sucked into the Nexium. Yeah. The exactly. <laughs> exactly. I feel like he had to just like have owed half good a favor. Like I don't. <laughs> Um, but Log rolling. <laughs> <laughs> he lost a bet and he had to sign on to this thing. Yeah. Um, I bet you won't marry your cousin. And then Alfred was like, you're right, okay. Uh, but yeah, so so that was what it was. Um, the important thing to know about this, I just want to put this out there to anybody who's listening, is how absolutely ridiculous this is. Um, because like 20 years later, um, there uh, Marie Tharp and Bill Hazen, within the next 20 years, discovered that there was the mid-ocean ridge and basically okay. came up with the entire concept of plate tectonics and oh, okay. um, and seafloor spreading. I bring this up because Marie Tharp is like one of my like obsessive things that like I get science, really into. Science heroes? Weird science obsessive, not even hero, just weird okay. science obsessiveness. Got it. Um, and 
at the time it was super, super, super controversial because everyone thought that, uh, that, but continental drift was such a bananas theory. And then uh-huh. eventually it came around. So Hapgood was also to a degree, part of this sort of like, um, big science establishment to try and discredit these, this hypothesis that was coming out because it was so off limits. So, so he was part of the, like, this guy was like part of the establishment. Like he was of. more the voice of the mainstream. So in a way, yes, because okay. like, it's sort of like how, and this is a weird thing to branch to go off onto, but it was sort of like how when Jesus was out there, there were at the time a bunch of other guys who were also right. prophets saying they okay. were Jesus. And okay. everyone's like, no, he's definitely not. These guys might not be, but I believe what they're saying a lot more yeah. than the guy who can turn water to wine. Yeah, yeah. So that's sort of that same dynamic where it was like, this is not, we don't want to believe in anything that could potentially be continental drift. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But we might entertain the idea that the earth randomly melts. Also, <laughs> I, for one, am far less comfortable with that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, uh, wow. So that, that could also explain a little bit of Einstein's involvement. So that was my weird little nerd science history corner Great. that I'm going to just wow. have brought to you guys. That um, makes you the Woody Harrelson of this podcast. I would describe myself as the Woody Harrelson in lots of aspects of my life, but yes. particularly because of the fact that he eats so many pickles. In the say, so many giant pickles. pickles too. Giant right. pickles. So, so I just like, want to say that was not in the second draft of the script that I read. I think I that might have been a Woody weird, edition. So that yes. is it. <laughs> I, I was hoping he really like sunk his teeth into this. I've had those calls, calls like the yeah. night before, like, hey, I have an idea. <laughs> what if I eat giant pickles? And you're like, oh, prep props. We got to get a million <laughs> <Yeah>. pickles. <laughs> That's the thing, because it's not just that he's got giant pickles. It's that when they open the fridge, they have it stocked with the jars of pickles. So but, he, did he makes, I, I couldn't tell if that if he makes them or not, because they look very like handmade, homemade. I would hope And disgusting, so. too. <laughs> not a lot of good going out of that refrigerator. I would like to think that that's Charlie's other thing, that had he lived, he would have gotten really into, like he would have had an entire Charlie's Pickle Corner. Charlie's sort of Crazy situation. Pickles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Charlie's Crazy Pickles would be a hit in 2020. Oh. Like, Whole Foods would be stocking Charlie's Crazy Pickles. <laughs> I would have eaten And then Trader Joe's would make jars. Joe's Crazy Pickles. And... <laughs> And I, also I, like, wearing the whole, but it would be that picture of Joe, but he'd be wearing the whole backpack thing that Charlie has just to really. There's, such, a, there's, a, there's such an interesting, I don't know, sensibility slash sense of humor to Roland Emmerich of just like the things that make yeah. it into a mo- Like the pickle thing that feels very like Woody would have come up with that. Um, but like the, like, let's have Randy's donuts, but let's not put the Hollywood sign anywhere. Let's have a a flying subway car. Let's kill somebody who's about to expose government secrets (laughs) and specifically revolve it around that's where and how Princess Diana died. That was the best. And the head of the Louvre. Somehow the head of the Louvre is in us. Yes, the head of the Louvre has cracked the case. There is a, that we don't see it off screen. There is a full, there was time taken to film an Arnold Schwarzenegger like <laughs> analog, like and I hate to say, but a very bad impression. Very poor. Because I mean, you could poor. find a lot of guys that could have done it. And I kind of go like, was that Roland going like, ah, I'm, I'm friends with him. I can make fun of him. Was That's that- what it, it felt like an inside joke. It felt like like it was so hokey that it felt like an inside joke. Like, oh, he's gonna hate this yeah. kind of thing. But the double like, kind of looked like Anthony Scaramucci too. If, if you look, <laughs> if you look at that video closely. Yeah, I was like, that guy is much more the build of Gavin Newsom. <laughs> <laughs> then he is Arnold Schwarzenegger. What is any of this? Like it just 
like there are just little inserts like that, like the whole of, like aggressiveness of the the hyperbolically hyperbolic <laughs> Russianness of the Russian oligarch, yeah. Yeah. and oh. just like Yuri is, but Yuri, I like less so Yuri than Sasha, who is such a Russian. Like Sasha could have also fought Rocky. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, this was totally. every every. This was like I feel like I'm sure Roland Emmerich has met. Russian citizens, I feel like he's just basing anybody in this movie though on Ivan Drago specifically. Yeah, well, this had a very much a feel of we're going to get a wide audience for this, you know. Yeah, we're yeah. hitting every, you know, everybody. Although for some reason, the Italian prime minister gets the short shift. Wow, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just what disappears. A... I was like, is there a message in that? Is there <laughs> some sort of pro-anti-Italian message in that? That was, well, I was... a deeply anti-Catholic move, I yeah. Oh, I mean, please, <laughs> wiping the, out the entire <laughs> the entire papacy with with the top of of the, the Vatican, which weirdly apparently is so solid it can roll, it can roll. It hits the ground and it not can break. Roll. It's yeah. the power of no. God. Again, where is the where? Like, I would love an annotated map of the inside jokes that Roland is just having with himself in this. Right. He's like, yeah. fucking yeah. Catholics. Yeah, who do you like? <laughs> who do you not like? Yeah, <laughs> and like, I like that we go to Tibet. I was like, this feels like it can't be divorced from some kind of meaning. Like, Tibet yeah. is too loaded. Like, China and Tibet working together here. We're so that invoking Princess Diana's death. There's a bad. Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger impersonation. There are hyperbolically <laughs> like cartoonish Russian characters. Like what? What was was? Is this just his magnum opus of like, little fingers <laughs> right. to people? This is just wild. I, I mean, mean, I just want to. The aircraft carrier kills the American president. The military industrial complex kills the American president. John F. Kennedy. The, Kennedy, the John F. Kennedy. Which again, to go back to Q, this is feeling very Q again, which is upsetting. <laughs> as I'm saying this, it's 11 years later, but I do want to just take a moment to hope my dog. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna like lean into my microphone and hope that my dog stops barking at the weirdly early for his delivery mailman. Um, <laughs> uh, quote, I wanna just quote uh, our prior, one of our prior guests for Roland Emmerich, uh, Van Lathan and say, hold my beer, I'm Roland Emmerich. Yeah. That is truly the manifesto of this film. Yeah. Like the fact that, yes, he attacks, the, there, no one is left unscathed. He also manages to solve U.S.-China relations. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Also, like solves a major issue by the, like, yes, you can tell very clearly this is intended for an international audience because there's no question that Tibet is in Chinese airspace mm -hmm. in this film. This well, was very much doing Tibet. China, bo like go China, China box office before mm -hmm. we really did go China box office. Yeah. yeah. Poland was really ahead of the game on that one. Yeah, well, it was, mm -hmm. I, that was really striking when, when they're like, you're in, you're in Chinese airspace now. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I, think some, I think that there's a Richard Gere who disagree with you on that. <laughs> this does feel like Roland Emmerich's blank checkiest film, right? Like this is the film oh, where yeah. they had the least amount of say in what he was doing, and he was just able yeah. to go hog wild. Like it was like he got. He I mean, it is two hours and thirty seven minutes. Yeah, this is Not called cashing in your chips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Push him the, forward on the, the table. The big I'm swing. <laughs> I mean, it it is it is because like you, there's obviously the whole point of these kinds of epics is the cascading disasters throughout. But yeah. it is it is stunning how it manages to keep level, it manages to keep feeling exciting even after you've seen the Yellowstone caldera go up. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Amanda, you would think geology. How is how do we feel about the Yellowstone caldera eruption? Um 
Ha! Well. When the Earth's core is just molten. Sure. <laughs> off. Yeah, that's basically like. Yeah, um, yeah. None of that, like, uh, God, when it gets silent, it's just so cool. Um, uh, obviously, no. Okay. I think the best okay. assessment. Like, Got it. I don't recommend trying to outrun one of the largest eruptions in 600,000 years. The pyroclastic flow will get you. Will get yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you're in a I movie, just, it won't. Yeah. And you're the not, hero. Not <laughs> if you're the hero, and if, only if it's a Roland Emmerich film, because only in Roland Emmerich films can you outrun elements of nature. Yeah. Um, by car, by plane, and if you're John Cusack- Or by the land speed of John Cusack. Yeah, yes. John Cusack, who could apparently <laughs> outrun the T-Rex in Jurassic Park. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just, as I was watching that, and I was trying to think of like, how fast could a John Cusack run? And in my head, I'm like, well, we've seen his living. And I like started to do the math in my head of like, how fast could I run if I were really amped and nervous? Right, yeah. Mm. And my conclusion was that it is physically like John Cusack is either dead right, or right. so superhuman that he might be able to run fast enough to spin the world backward and yeah. undo all of this. Yeah, well, it this could one, go either way. This one comes from the golden age of being to just be, being able to barely outrun, yeah. you know, nature phenomena. I you, mean, you don't see it as much anymore, I don't think. I, I think the only the human who can do it actually. Emmerich. Yeah. The only human who could do it, who could do that run, Tom Cruise. That's a Tom Cruise true. run That's will true. get you clear yes. of anything. Mm. He anything. would pump his arms so fast that he would actually push the pyroclastic flow back. Yeah. With his no. little like propeller Although, arms. To be fair, his run was not enough to uh, get him out of the exploding Kremlin in uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Just putting it through. <laughs> he wasn't able to outrun that. He ended up in the hospital but and it was a fun sequence. Was that his intention? So, yeah, right. Yeah, was that was that his? He meant can't be young time. forever. Yeah. That's yeah. what. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I thought you were going to say the only person who can outrun it at this point is is The Rock because wow. The Rock. No, I fully believe like The Rock has the Rock definitely just raises an eyebrow and it stops. <laughs> yeah, it turns and it stops and goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it says, "Do you want to do that?" And it's like, no, <laughs> no, I don't. The Rock, like The Rock, looks at its rocklets is how it considers the, he considers the. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no. that's just, I mean, uh, there's three different sequences, I think, where he outruns, where they outrun things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And well, as they, they outdrive it, they outrun it. Yeah, uh, they, they outfly out it, they outdrive it, they outrun yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, wait, so that means there's actually like four. So they outdrive twice. Yeah. They outfly twice. Twice. Maybe three times. They don't outboat anything, though. They don't. They're, that's right. The, no. the, the boat. Once, the, once they're in the arc, they actually get very slow and. and yeah, there's no running. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's, you're right. That really weighs them down. I felt like reality wise, the setup of the arcs seemed stupid. Yes. Like the whole point of the arcs is they detach from their anchors when the first big enough wave hits to break them free of it. Those boats were all very close to each other. These are huge, unprecedented in scale man-made creations and they're all they all seem closer to one another than a length of the boat so yeah. when they're detaching from their bonds to break into the water it seems pretty predictable that they're gonna wreck into each other <laughs> and like when they like when they start like i know their engines aren't working because the door is honestly the <laughs> the gears of that door should have been powerful enough to to <laughs> move a hose to, or whatever. Yeah, it is, it to turn to dust whatever it was that got those It ate Gordon that should be able to eat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, God. man, Gordon was a real, 
Gordon was a real cruel move because like there's a whole moment where it's like Gordon's a good guy. Like we're, you're waiting for the moment where the kids tell their their dad, who is John Cusack, be like, I don't like Gordon. I wish you were still my dad. Right. You're waiting for that to happen. But instead, there's like a moment of like, you should give Gordon a chance, dad. And he's like, I will, son. I love you. And it's then really, he, once <laughs> once John Cusack accepts you into your into his <laughs> life, then you are expendable. You are expendable. John Cusack has learned a lesson. <laughs> yeah, that, now, you, yeah. now you may be ground up in the gears of the door. My curse befalls you, <laughs> sir. You do. You become what? That's the thing is that you, if you are in a disaster movie, you have to figure out very quickly if you are the hero, if you are the love interest, yes. or if you are a lesson to be learned. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, if I can steer us into a, a thing, that, and this is this is a bigger point that, or, yeah. or issue yeah. that I grapple with as a as a movie maker. Yeah, and yeah. I've always been fascinated with, which is the morality of Hollywood. What what is the morality of it? Because especially, mm-hmm. and, and nothing crystallizes it more than disaster movies. That's why yeah. I've always loved them. Yeah. I've always been also kind of like put off by them. Right. I love it's, hate relationships. It's truly grotesque and I love them. Yeah, because, you know, when you guys were talking about like Towering Inferno, you know, the mm-hmm. the, the great moment in that is, you know, Fred Astaire's woman who, you know, I forget who plays her. Yeah. She's lovely. And then she has to die. She's kind of saving kids, so she's, she's kind of selfless. She's the one who tumbles out of the elevator, right? And then has this horrible death where she bounces off the thing. That I had to, like, I think Amanda Trauma blocked that out because I yeah. had to explain it to her. I was like, no, Amanda, she fucking died. And she's like, yeah. no. I fully did not remember. I just, I didn't process that it was her and then just... I, I'm still that damn it. That's really yeah. upsetting. savage. It's so, so, so savage. And her cat lives and he's holding the cat. Yeah. Right. Oh man. But yes, yes. I'm sorry. Well, no, I mean, so it just, it's, it is that thing of like, cause it, I, I've never done one of these movies. Um, but it's like, how do you go like, you know, like, okay. The, like the Russian girlfriend, you go, Oh, I kind of like, you know, Very she's much. sweet, yeah. but then she has to die and I got to watch her die. And it's like, but now is it because she was sleeping with Sasha? And so now she, yeah. Right. It has to go down, you know. Right. Yeah. No, is it? Is it? You have. You start to wonder, like, what is the what? It like, what is the punishment? You look for the reason and the logic in it within. In the same way that, like, when you're watching a scary movie, I would assume you're like, okay, yeah. who? What is the sin they're dying for? Um, and poor God, when when she dies, I felt so bad because she's got one of the worst oh, deaths. She's because really alone. She's alone. She's yeah. drowning. She's scared, and that water is filled with animal poop. <laughs> It is just, it is she such She dies a, with a giraffe looking at her, basically. She dies with a giraffe looking at her. What a horrible way to die. But it's also done in a way where I kind of go, oh, she's going to get out. And then it goes up to the grate and I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. And then we just, ne- we never actually, like, it never even, like, honors her by, like, no. showing. It's just like, well, you know what happened there. Yeah. yeah. This movie is, this movie is particularly vindictive yeah. in how it goes out of its way to redeem basically everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before they kill them. Like we get the very human moment between between the, the 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 women in the plane where she's like, I didn't always look like this. Like my boyfriend made me get plastic surgery. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And she clearly like loves Sasha, and she, she she's we see she seems like she's doomed to peril, only to have her live when Sasha sacrifices himself for everybody to survive. Yeah. They're out there in the middle of 
ass end of nowhere Himalayas in the snow. And you're like, <laughs> you've kept her this long to put her in a cage and kill her alone to drown to death. Yes. And then like, you're kind of like, Gordon's a little bit smarmy. So you're kind of waiting to like, just fully be able to He's hate He's a Gordon. plastic surgeon. He exactly. has it coming. <laughs> he, yeah, you're like expecting him to have had an affair with this woman who used to be his, like used to be one of his clients. Like, and there are all these opportunities where it's like, oh, now I'm going to find out. Now the mask is to be taken off Gordon. No, we get an ultimately redeemable Gordon yeah. who ends up like being a pretty self-sacrificing person. It's like, oh shit, we're going to, he's going to have one of the worst. We're going to grind him to death. We're yeah. going to turn him into sausage. Like, and then Yuri, you know, oligarch Yuri is part of like the, you know, the unsympathetic billionaire masses who bought their way onto this trip, mm. to, the, onto this arc. And then we think like, oh, the kids will probably survive, but like oh, Yuri sucks, so he's probably going to die. But then his final move is this last self-sacrificing act to save his children. And yes. we have that very human moment of him relating to John Cusack about boxing. And yeah. like, what would you have done with your billions? And you're like, yeah, honestly, he's kind of right about that. But it it makes it a point to redeem everyone before yeah. being like, and really close up worst possible right. death. It's so like, is that the for, is that the morality excuse that then, you know, is are the rules we can't kill anybody uh, unless they're they deserve it or they they've they they're clear now they can go to heaven. Right, you know? right. They, they won't go to hell. Yeah. So it's very weirdly kind of Christian, old kind of Christian values, yeah. I guess, going into this. Yeah, like like yeah. not a not a benevolent God, like an angry right. God kind of right. thing. But but well, yeah, then, but then look at those two old ladies. Were they? Uh, we don't know what those two old ladies. Are they were burning in hell? Right now? <laughs> yeah, they didn't yeah. get to repent. We know they were really bad. Yeah, They're slow, and then they died. So they. Yeah. Died. <laughs> well, and there's an interesting like there's a, a the part a part that really boggled my mind in this movie that I, I certainly didn't process when I had seen it in you know pre 2010 was there's the moment on the plane it's Chutel Ejiofor and it is uh, first daughter. Um, why am I blanking on her amazing actor? Zoe Saldana. No, no. No, it's uh, uh, Fandy Newton. Yeah, it's Tandy oh, Newton. Oh, was it Fandy Newton? Sorry. Yeah, it's oh. Tandy, no, she. it's Tandy Newton. It's Tandy Newton a decade ago looking yeah. like she, was so I was cute. like, God, is Tandy like, Newton 19 in this movie? You know, like, and with the American accent and all this. Yeah. It, it does take a minute to go like, wait, that's her. Yeah, I was, no, it's yeah. Tandy Newton who's always the best thing in the crazy genre movie. She's yeah. in, like, I watched, I watched the Chronicles of Riddick the other day and was like, Tandy Newton oh, she's in is <laughs> burning this fucking down right now. God, she's good. And it is, it is Chronicles of Riddick. But like, there's a moment between her first daughter and like lead scientist on Air Force One and they're going to the Ark. And like, they're talking about like, you know, there's this heartfelt moment about who gets to survive all of these people. They never stood a chance. They're all going to die. Like, how could this, how could we do this? And John Cusack pulls out this guy's book. He pulls out John Cusack's book. And he's like, what are the odds that this guy could have made it onto Air Force One at this moment? And he's like, but he's here. And I'm reading this book. And I was like, ooh, cold comfort, Roland. Yeah. Cold comfort. <laughs> like, what, what is the what was the react what is the morality matrix of that moment where it is so earnestly expressed, even without any, there's there's not even a hesitation. Yeah. In 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 Ejufor's voice. There's not even like a a ruefulness. It's like Hell of a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, he hog. thinks it's wise. That actually, so that will be tie back into my what is this movie really about? Because I think that is the the linchpin of this whole situation. But this is a big Roland thing because if you think it, it's about people, everybody's separated all over all the world. Mm -hmm. And yet mm -hmm. by mere coincidence, they all 
come together. It, let's talk about the day after tomorrow. Right. Suddenly they're, you know, walking across the tundra that is now New York and like, yep. hey, I hear something. Oh, there, <laughs> there's who I was looking for in the entire world <laughs> right there. <laughs> And I have no problem with that. I no, just think no. like, wow, yeah. it's a that's it's a it's a theme, a, a running theme. Well, and, yeah. and to have someone like in, in their moment of in 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 Tandy's moment of moral crisis, for her to like be so broken up about this and be so receptive to that as the argument, and just like, oh, I was like, ooh, I feel like we just saw the celebrity bubble close up and be like, yeah. You're right. The little people are fine. Yeah, you're right. I'm, and then, I'm and just reading, it was the, very, reading yeah. the last page of the book at the end is yeah. just really funny. Like, wow, he really did it. <laughs> okay, so in the script, in the, like script in that in the second draft, she read he in the so one they actually in the in the original version were supposed to like have been established as dating for a while, and then she oh. like, lied to me, and then it just like they come around on it. Okay, but um. She's kind of like she when he reads her the last page of it out loud, and they have that like, and wouldn't you know it, we're all from Wisconsin, and she's yeah, like, well, <laughs> oh, yeah. well, you and I have different taste is basically her response. <laughs> so we find out at the end of the script that maybe the book wasn't that good, which is really the ending I want from this. That's fantastic. Yeah, is well, I mean, the book out, isn't yeah. like what is, like Gordon says. Four hundred and twenty-two copies were printed. Like the book isn't yeah. that good. Like, but we're supposed to believe that like he's this, his he's just this genius writer. But I'm like, no, right. I really want him to be exactly who I know he is. Exactly yeah. who Amanda Pete's character divorced. Yeah, like, we know exact. Sorry, no, we know we know who you are. Like, he's, <laughs> he's so prescient that he knew mm-hmm. the, the the Wisconsin thing. <laughs> yeah, like, that's that's the biggest thing of all. They're kind of like, oh, wait a minute, you know, he predicted that the whole yeah, was going to be in Wisconsin or whatever. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, that too. Sure, I, I knew what he could do that. You know. <laughs> he's just really checked in with the Mayans. He's just got a lot of. But, but his character development was great. So. Yeah. <laughs> now so, I. Is is there is there a is there a is there a is there a disaster sequence that speaks to everybody individually in this? I wonder. I like if whether for shock value or heart wrenchingness. Like I want to know from people what your guys' set pieces are. Well, that you're like 2012 really outdid itself. Yeah. The, the reason I never forgot this movie was the first big you know scene mm-hmm. not seen the first big earthquake when they're in the limo driving away because i you know i grew up watching you know earthquakes out of the theater when it was released and sense right. around if you will um and so i was just used to kind of oh things shake and you got to watch everything fall apart yeah i was not prepared emotionally to see caverns literally form and the earth to just buckle and fly and oh, every, and i was just like oh my god so i i, I have to say kudos to that mm-hmm. this it's probably the most terrifying thing i ever saw especially since i live in la and we're always kind of like whoa right. what's gonna happen? yeah <laughs> yeah so that that was i that was it's, it's a pretty great sequence i gotta say it's in and it man it, it, it i was shocked at i i think that like there the two big things for me are there's just the single image there's the image of yellowstone going up and yeah. the basically mushroom cloud that comes after that is my single favorite like visual in this movie mm. but as far like i was watching and i'd seen this before my jaw was on the ground the entire time watching that last night and it's not a short scene and it never lags the entire time i'm just like head in my hands like oh my god like i know how this ends but there's no possible way they're gonna make it like it mm. is it is thrilling and like you said the buckling and those wave motions like it yeah. is 
it's terrifying. It's truly scary. And I, I was entertained by it then. And it's one of those things where I feel like as a little kid, I was just purely entertained by scary movies. But now that I'm an adult and I know what things are scary, uh, scary movies are scarier. Disaster movies are scarier now than they were when I was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 15 years younger. Because yeah. it's like, oh, when you feel like you're living on the precipice of oblivion because things are so contentious at all times, disaster movies really have an interesting frequency to operate on. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I uh, I mean uh, the okay I the the running the outrunning in the limo is it's God. I it is perfect it is a perfect <laughs> yeah. sequence it is everything one could want in it's the ideal outrunning of a disaster it is truly like I like I, I had actually so at the time that this I was like writing I had as a side like fun thing was just writing a blog about disaster movies and I dressed up for the premiere as a volcano because I was so excited about it <laughs> Amazing. Um, I. <laughs> I'm a normal person uh, and going into it I was like how I did I had seen that see I remember seeing like a part of that sequence in the trailer and I was like he's gonna do the whole like outrunning the air thing from 20 from day after tomorrow uh -huh. did not expect it to be and it's so long Amanda thought and she was keep, so high and mighty I, I was just very blase about it going in of like this is gonna be good but like we've seen this before and then he keeps finding in what feels like a 10 minute sequence, yes. new ways to keep it going. I, I, um, he, and that's a key subtle thing is that open door in the limo where oh, every so often. Yeah, you, and then you just oh, get yeah. reminded when they careen around and like yeah. Amanda Pete is holding Lily and yeah. like they're just screaming at the open cavern. <laughs> it's just so great. And then like, yeah, the things with Randy's donuts and that if you are yeah. an Angelino, you're trying to figure out where you are in the right. at any given time. And you're just yeah. like, what is, everything about it is insane. Everything about it feels like the best ride they would ever have at Universal Studios. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's really what like this needs to do. Um, yeah. Everything about it feels a little rubbery because this is now in the Roland Emmerich doesn't use any practical effects world. <laughs> yeah. And I love that too, because it's all so surreal that it's like this weird fever dream you're having. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it is just such a perfect sequence. And then it culminates with then they, you're like, oh man, caught my breath. 30 seconds later, we're out running now everything in an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, how is this still happening? <laughs> but What's so wonderful is then when every the entire city just tips at a forty five degree angle. Oh and my into the god! Ocean. Like you're clearing your plate into the ocean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, it and really such yeah. like that moment is so great because you think mm -hmm. as you're watching it, you get the sense of scale, but then you see that, and it's something so unprecedented with yeah. any sense of reality. Unreal. And yet tens of thousands of people are, are dying in those moments that we're going, yeah. oh my God, that's so cool. Then yeah, so then yeah. it becomes oh, like, yeah. should I be enjoying this or yeah. should I? Yeah, but you're just you you're watching it like, oh, everyone is like, oh, all of us are dead. Cool. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. <laughs> like there goes west of the 405, as yeah. they say. Like, yeah. there well, goes and also that the... the <laughs> like this, you're just like watching this and going, oh, wait, that's actually, if I'm there, that's yeah, me. I know, that's yeah. my house. Wait a minute, right, I see Yeah, it. yeah. Yeah, well, also, I, they, this is the perfect example of, you know, John driving that limo mm -hmm. is the I could never do that thing, which yeah. kind of works in movies sometimes. You're like, holy shit. Like, especially, you know, <laughs> he goes under the freeway as it's collapsing and yes. just makes, as it scrapes the top of his yep. roof. <laughs> That's he is really blessed in this yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> he is. The strongest the limo man. roof I've ever seen. And the luckiest man, just the luckiest man on planet, like, planet yeah. Earth. Like, he'd rather be lucky than good. And 
I, I have to, I had to laugh at like the immediate escalate, like granted they know that they're on a very short clock at that point, but when John Cusack just takes his little children over a hazard fence in Yellowstone <laughs> and is walking them for a steaming, to- like looking like a toxic waste area, I was like, I hope a dad wouldn't do that. But then like the entire full force of the nearby army base camp comes rolling up. I was like, oh, I feel like for optics, they probably would have just sent one guy dressed as a park ranger to escort them out and not alerted them to the insane encampment that is happening right in the middle of Yellowstone right now. That feels like they gave away the game a little bit, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, that they just have a helicopter ready to deploy at any given moment to dramatically come over a ridge really yeah. tells you a lot about where that, how, you know, like when you do, so, okay, they it's, a billion dollars per person. Per, yeah, per t- yeah. yeah, per ticket. Per, 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 per ticket. ticket. Um, I wound up doing like some of the math on it and it's basically like 10 to the 14th power. So it's whatever comes after a trillion, it's one of those. That's how much was like put into one of those, yeah. one of those things or something? No, no, no. That's how much like they amassed. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So that's how much they amassed. And uh, they had something like whatever is past $1 trillion. I didn't bother to Google that. Yeah, I don't know that. And I feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, sure. I was just like, it's a gajillion. And then I just went and just went about my that much money in the world? That's Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yes. Centillion. I I worked in luxury jewelry retail. Yes, there is. Yeah. Like every second of every second of this movie that it dealt with the rich people, and I was like, yeah, yeah. I have no. The reality index on Jump this for me is like absolutely all of this is believable. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was like, wow, all of their budget, like a good chunk of their budget, just goes into deploying that helicopter. But. Uh, if you ever go to Yellowstone, you will see that parents are really, really dumb. Humans yes. are really dumb in national parks, yeah. and. Um, Terrible. I had to scare a child away from an open like crater in the oh. parking lot. Okay. An unmonitored six-year-old child was like leaning over, staring into it. And it's just like the parking lot had caved in there and there was just like a little hot pot. They have warnings all over Yellowstone. Don't right. go off the path. Don't go off of any of the paths because yeah. at any given spot, you can just right. like puncture through the ground and it's boiling water underneath. So uh, in some John Cusack believable in this role, his character as a wildly negligent father. Yeah. And if you're going to be that. careless, make sure you wrote a book that sold 500 copies. Yes. <laughs> whoever catches so, you happen to read. Right, exactly. Yes, he yeah, could have gone to jail, but instead he happened to be a mediocre <laughs> author. So it hey, you're good. You know, yeah, right. yeah. Oh, God, it's great to meet you, man. It's a national secret, but oh, I like that book. Yeah. Get out of here, you nut. <laughs> you nut. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> Don't tell that crazy guy who eats pickles. Uh, yeah, we'll have, we'll have to kill you. Really, <laughs> really, we'll kill you. But it's been great meeting you. No, the, the, it's the, so like what I'm gaining from what you've said about uh, Yellowstone, Amanda, is that, okay, so definitely that caldera explosion is exactly what would happen. And that's exactly how scary Yellowstone is, is what I'm getting from that. Oh, yeah, um, Yellowstone's super scary, but yeah, like in scary. a big cosmic sense of like, well, if it goes up, we're all fucked. It's fine. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. It, it's yeah. so ultimate. It's, it's, just, it's such an, yeah. yeah, it's like, like having a stick of dynamite under your dinner table, but they're just never <laughs> touching it. You know, it's like okay, yeah, yeah. if it went off, we'd be uh, yeah. as long as nobody lights it. I could still eat yeah. dinner here. I'm fine. <laughs> don't hit the table. Yeah, don't, don't, don't kick it. Don't kick, like don't fuck with it. It's fine. We're well, they, had the, they had a quadrillion dollars too. Back to your point, Jordan, about the 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 arcs. When you put just heavy doors in front of them, so let the flood hit, <laughs> then open the doors, which would just kind of, you know, lightly flood the thing, and then yeah. everyone moves out. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, like a normal they, summer. There was a kind, yeah, it's like they, they're blowing, like we opened this movie with them blowing out the side of the Himalayan mountains. Oh, that. They could have, they could have docked 
the arcs inside. Like, there's yeah, I'm so dumb. I did not put those two things together. You're right. That's what it, they were. Yeah, that's where they're, they're amassing doing. the Tibetans to be the mining operation that they're yeah. not going to let inside the boats. Oh man. See, well, and see, again. yeah, we we begin we begin with uh, the exploitative labor of the mountain population, yeah. and we come all the way to the oh, end to everybody. Right. Guess what? It's it's funny that they're only on the boat for a month. It's yeah. like yeah, it's like not that not that big a deal. Like it's a like it's a whole it's a big a deal. It's a big deal that probably maybe half a million people have survived. But like it's like day twenty seven, year zero 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 one. It's like wait, yeah. day twenty seven. <laughs> You guys haven't even gotten cabin fever yet. Like yeah. we we've been we've been in a pandemic lockdown for fucking eight months. Like, are you kidding me? Day twenty-seven, I hadn't even ones. gone through my toilet paper supply of the pandemic. Like, right. I was going so with all many... those billionaires yeah. in an overcrowded yeah. shitty room. <laughs> and I like everybody's I just like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, it, it was I fine. A lot of beans left at day twenty-seven, <laughs> early in lockdown. I still had and... sanitizing wipes. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, so like they, then it's like, oh, everything, but like in the shift, the continent of Africa is the only thing that's made it. So we're going to go there, all of us. And it has John Cusack on like the bow of the ship after they like open up a big window, basically, and everybody can go outside. I don't know why they've had, they're like, go outside and enjoy the fresh air. It's like, there was no top side. Like this isn't yeah. nuclear fallout. Like you guys could have opened a window the entire time. And- yeah. Like, yeah, like we, I feel like we could have done that. I feel like, unless that was right when the ash cloud dissipa dissipated kind of thing. Mm. But like, I was just going outside in an ash cloud in Oregon in September. <laughs> so I don't really want to hear the bitching about it. <laughs> and it's like John Cusack leaning over and she, you know, the little girl's like, you know, what are you going to do now? He's like, well, you know, we're going to make home somewhere else because home is wherever we are together. It's like, yep. Mm -hmm. Home is wherever a bunch of billionaires are going to go recolonize <laughs> yeah, Africa. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, look out, Africa. Woo! Seen it before. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Like, I mean, like, there's, because, like, you can just feel the implicit, like, poignant statement, like, like yeah. in Day After Tomorrow, when it's like, oh, wow, what we considered the third world is now the only viable developed part of the world that we can survive in. And the entire yeah. like United States is frozen over and it's uninhabitable. And there's this like statement about like ultimately leveling the playing field. So you can feel that coming through, but it runs right up against the idea of like a bunch of people who look like John Cusack leading on the edge of a big ship yeah. being like, <laughs> set, <laughs> set course for Madagascar. Like, <laughs> and Africa's going like, they're like, whoo, man, we made it through that. Thank yeah. God. Thank God. Hey, look, like, something's coming. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> What's bananas is that they're like, oh, okay, so we have the entire, po you know, the remaining human population is like half a million people or whatever. Yeah. But then Africa's got like one plus billion people on it. And even assuming that half of those people survived this whole situation, how, there are 500 million people still living in Africa. The human population survived. Yeah. Right, yeah. Like, and we're gonna show like, up with our boats with like, hey, we've got, we brought a giraffe, guys. You want a giraffe? Yeah, <laughs> we got like, a thousand, we got we millions of them. Have them. Like, what are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? Like, if, and like they say, like the, the continent was basically untouched. Yeah. Right. And so like Egypt, still full. Like yeah. the, like the, like Cape Town, still full like these cities are still functional in a unique way to the west rest of the world and then a bunch of people show up it's like yeah you guys can you guys can go hang out in that uninhabited and make your own settlement if you yeah. want i guess but like we're fucking full we haven't been building new apartment buildings waiting for you this yeah. all happened in two days we've had a month like, can you hang out on the ships off the coast for a while until yeah. we like get an agreement hammered out here? 
and here's our giraffe. He's really sick uh, <laughs> with something that your continent has never seen. <laughs> Your, your continent will take all of this wildlife that is not native to it and, and the flora in addition to the fauna and whatever native diseases we're bringing with us. So you're, you're fine. You're fine. We know cruise ships are not incubators for contagions. We haven't recently lived through that lesson. <laughs> oh, oh I, I, a great moment too is when uh, he comes into his room and he's like, this could hold 10 people. And he's all bad. <laughs> but then later on, he's in there with, with, Tandy, and yeah. it's like, yeah, there's still a lot of people that are really jammed into our <laughs> Yeah, they're all living in the hole. What happened right? to that? Yeah, moral. this is definitely a Snowpiercer train, and the yeah. tailings yeah. are not living like the <laughs> former first daughter of the United He's States. He's kind of like, well, America. I saved them, so yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take the big He gave room. a really stirring speech, you guys. Like, <laughs> credit yeah. where credit's due here. Yeah. Side note, can you imagine disembarking from that and like just being stared at by all the people <laughs> who are living on Africa and are like, so you paid a billion dollars, assume <laughs> we'd all die. Yeah. <laughs> and now you want to come live in my backyard. Yeah. yeah. Tell me trouble. more. <laughs> tell me more about that billion dollars you paid per family member while yeah. assuming we would all die and keeping this a secret from us. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that is an awkward fucking conversation. That's like yeah. not telling your roommate you're going to burn down your place for arson for the insurance money and then coming back and being like, didn't take. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I hope you- my room's gone. The kitchen's gone. The living room's gone. Your room's fine. I'm going to move in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was totally going to split the insurance money with you. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely fine. Yeah. No, the, uh, the, the casual morality of Adrian is really fascinating because yeah, at every is, turn he like wants to do the right thing, but never does the right thing. <laughs> but everyone acts like he did the right thing. And that truly, um, the fact that he's a geologist, not a bureaucrat is, yeah. I, a missed opportunity. Like he, he was, yeah. he was actually a bureaucrat again to be like in the script, but yeah. in the script, he's a bureaucrat. And like Dr. West is actually the British guy. Oh, the, the okay. British guy is the oh, geologist. The really, the really scientist-y guy. The right. scientist-y guy. The one yeah. who would have been Ian Holmes if Ian Holmes, had, like who was <laughs> yeah. the Ian Holmes character. Right. Ian, oh yeah. Ian Holmes in, in Day After Tomorrow. Yeah. So like yeah. that guy, so his version who ends up on the boat, he is like the one who actually discovers it. And then Adrian's like a, just an advisor to the president who yeah. there's also like a really gross undercurrent with Anheuser about like racial discrimination Oh, that he yeah. ends up like punch decking Anheuser and later Anheuser's like, you're right. I shouldn't have made that affirmative action joke. And I'm like, what is happening? That <laughs> only volcano can solve racism. That That's not your job, Roland Emmerich. Yeah. That was a scene. This movie did not need to juggle. So no, they, they cut that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he definitely like Adrian at every turn really is the kind of like the prototypical sort of awful, Hollywood liberal type of like, I'm going to give a stirring speech, right. but none of my actions will actually follow suit. He is, <laughs> he is, he is the character equivalent of Leonardo DiCaprio. Want, I'm sorry if he's a friend of yours, Paul, that's a weird <laughs> sentence I have to I'm, say. I'm not close with Leo. So. I know, okay. But he's the equivalent of like Leo being all save the earth, but then flying to a summit in a private jet about <laughs> right. saving the earth. Right. Sure, that sure. is very much the encapsulation of Adrian in a lot of ways, yes. which is a real bummer, but also I think in like sort of, 
how Roland does his scientists yeah. a lot. Well, of time. it's the my message is I'm my message is so important that yeah. it's okay if we you know open up my carbon footprint. Right, in order to, right. <laughs> and <laughs> to it really it. it's all is such a testament <laughs> to Chiwetel Ejiofor oh, as a performer yeah. that your his gravitas, so yeah, his like the depth. It's like it's like having Delroy Lindo. In a fu- in the fucking yeah. core, like yeah. it, and Stanley, it's like having this this pod of thespians saving yeah. the world in the core. You, you she was all edgy for in this. You're like, oh, the gravitas of you and and whatever you're saying. Like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm so invested. Surely you're a noble man, and I yeah. can and I side with you implicitly. He's just so good. God, no, he's totally. so good. But that's and, I'm always obsessed in these movies of like when there's a really emotional scene and oh. working so hard. And I think you just have to, as the performer, go, all right, the movie's nuts, but this is the moment I've got to hit, yep. yeah. <laughs> you know, and because I'm, you know, when I'm making a movie, I mean, you know, there's so much negotiation and, and that's kind of a strong word, but just kind of with everybody, like making sure everybody feels that everything is right totally. and yeah. they buy it so they can feel comfortable in this. And, then, you know, and we do it and it makes the movies really good. But at the same time, then you watch these and go like, did they have that meeting <laughs> or was it just, is that just the director going like, look, you just do it because you yeah. know, you this moment and, and you just do it. And then somebody's crying. And you're like, Oh my God, that's so emotional. They're so good. But Oh, but this is such a weird situation. Yeah. Now with in now that giving like your, your body, but like you've, you've gone into to big action with like Ghostbusters and we have like mm-hmm. our, our, our smaller ensemble comedies, but like, the, I mean, the scope of something like a, this is so yeah. huge. Like as the scope of something levels up, like going, and having a, a a bridesmaid, which feels like more like more localized in the sense of like yeah. you're not like fighting aliens and things people like interacting. Exactly. Yeah, like how is that? Like is that does that like work a different skill in you from like a man? Because at that point, is it like a managerial kind of change in how you handle something? Going yeah. through up, upping in scale to something like a, a Ghostbusters, and then thinking of that like progressing to the size of something like a 2012. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's it's a great question because I, when I watch a movie like this, my stomach goes into knots. The well, because yeah, I get very sense. like, wait, what did they have to, what did they have to shoot? What could they, and, and when you watch, and then the thing with the, you know, Amanda, you said this too about Roland is so much is digital yeah. that you, yeah. I start to go like, well, how much do you go like, oh, don't worry. We'll just, you know, and you watch a lot of stuff and you go like a lot of that has been done in post. And so right. you get all the performances, but you just have to, I mean, it's really, it's bird by bird, if you will. Okay. You know, it's, it's kind of, mm-hmm. you go. All right, you know, you fate it when you watch a big movie, mm-hmm. you go, it's just coming at you like a Gatling gun, you know, mm-hmm. you're just like, oh my God, all this stuff. But you know, every day it's like, okay, here's the sequence where yeah. we gotta they've gotta drive through downtown. So okay, John, we're gonna need a shot of you steering, we're gonna have to get the shot car going around. Yeah, you know, they they tend to storyboard it a lot or pre-visit it was as we call it. And yeah. um, you know, so you have all that stuff, mm-hmm. but it's a lot to manage, and it's just it just becomes a pre-production you know, gargantuan pre-production where you're just doing it for months and months and months, getting ready to then go in and get these pieces. Well, and something, something on this side, like just, you know, from, from your, your expertise, mm-hmm. um, how, how much of this is divided into like second unit direction? Like with something on this scale, like how much is happening sort of, I don't know, in another part of the world or another part of the right. country, like, cause I, I feel like that's happening, but like the idea of the second unit and like the, the, the crucial second unit director of like a star Wars movie. Yeah. Like that's, that's a fucking huge responsibility. And this seems like it, like, is there any part of this? Like when you get to a, something of this scope where it's like the director knows like the director's in charge, but it's essentially being deputized out so yeah. they can, 
Is that I mean, how it's any, working? It tends to be anything that is not with your main cast. Okay, yeah. If if you're on a movie of this size. Right, I'm very right. much like, I don't like the farm stuff out, but occasionally you go like, okay, in this chase scene, we need right. wheels coming around the corner. We need this thing going on here. You know, so you're kind of like, okay, they can do that and they'll bring yeah. it back and we'll take a look at it. But this yeah. one, I, I wonder because so much of it is so digi that mm-hmm. I I almost wonder if there is as much, I mean, look again, when he's driving the, 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 you know, the limo through yeah. Yeah, again, everything right. going around a corner, you don't see the actors. That's probably been, you know, farmed out to the. Sure. The sure. Well, yeah. I mean, it just, it, it just, this, the, the number of moving parts, like the, if I tried to empathize with like, okay, I wonder what like a Paul Feig's mindset would be when he's watching something. It's like talking to an architect about like architecture and they're just yeah. like this building stressing me out. And you're like, <laughs> oh, I'm just oh, totally. living. Oh, it's very I'm- stressful. But I mean, <laughs> but, but like when you watch, you know, like a, a Bond movie or a Mission Impossible oh, movie, God. you go, there's a lot of second unit in that because there's so much real life action that's going uh-huh. on. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But when it becomes digital, it becomes, you know, there's a whole thing where- right. You know, you go into a movie and, and I'm always kind of like, I want to do everything practically, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then as you run out of time or money or whatever it is, yeah. then in the, the effects guys hate this because suddenly it's like, oh, okay, we don't have time. You guys will do this. You guys will do this. And suddenly yeah. they're, A, their budget goes up. So they're going, okay, we're going to make all this money. But right, yeah. then we're just going like, you can fix all this, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and that's a bad situation. If you right. Did. Their list is getting longer as their time is staying the same size kind yeah. of thing. You know, you can just give me a big action shot. Well, okay. But <laughs> really, we need elements for it. It'd be nice if you shot some of them. But, uh. <laughs> you can digitally remove a mustache in post, right? Oh my that's God, I'm telling you. Exactly. <laughs> Well, we got, we've gotten so lazy. I mean, you know, because it used to be, you know, if you look back at the exorcist when they're mm-hmm. making it, they had to keep reshooting the scene because they could see the wires yep, today. Yep. You know, we're like, okay, oh, you know, the two guys walk through the shot. We'll, we'll paint them out later. You know? <laughs> wow. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it, it's actually not good. I think it makes us, it, it, it's easy to get kind of lazy sometimes because of that. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, it just seems like it, it, it's, I mean, it's like how, like how many people's phone numbers do you know, because you have your phone yeah. and like, but if you end up in an emergency situation where you're like, you're, you might need to have a number and there are two re- memorized, otherwise shit's going to go bad and you don't know have anybody to help you. Like, yeah, no, yeah. totally. You know, it's like when Michael Bay shoots some of the big things he does, he literally just puts the cameras there. All the cameras are in shot uh-huh. just so you can get all these angles and you go, yeah, we'll just uh-huh. paint them all out. And you go, well, that's cool. You'll get all these cool shots. But, you know, you would never have done that back in the old days. But, uh, <laughs> why not take advantage of the technology? You know, no, I was I was watching Tarso. It was the first time I watched Tarso sings The Fall uh, okay. the other day. And mm. I was just I was just agog the entire time at how much is actually practically in front of you, that entire yeah. movie. Yeah. And it means that it, it's so important. I mean, that was, yeah. you know, I loved the first matrix. And when I saw the second matrix, I was so angry because like I, yeah. I'm watching a video game. I'm not Agreed. watching anything yeah. that happened. You well, know, I I'm, like, stuff happens. I'm a it's huge, so huge fan of the blade franchise. And that's why blade two loses me. Cause it starts to get rubbery. And yeah. the coolest yeah. fucking thing about those blade movies is that you feel like this is a real world. And, and Wesley Snipes is really a day walking vampire. Yeah. And I, mean, I assume fights. that regardless, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's baseline yeah. operating assumption. But yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, the, the intangibility is, uh, is a bit, is yeah. a bit frustrating. I For found, those of you, oh, sorry, Jason, go, you've been trying I, to talk. No, I was just, I was just going to say, while, while we were talking about the second unit direction on this movie, I did uh, uh, do a little research and found that the assistant or the second unit director from uh, this film was Roland Emmerich's assistant from The Day After Tomorrow. 
okay. Oh. <laughs> Which is they knew the score. Very interesting. Yeah, like <laughs> they knew the nice. score. He's a producer yeah. now, apparently, on like other stuff and and whatever. But it's it is very interesting going from like assistant to yeah. second unit director. Like I'm, but I'm sure he also knows how Roland works probably pretty right. well. Yeah, so. seriously. Well, am I crazy? But when I was watching the end credits, I, I think I was wrong. But it, it's written by Roland Emmerich and another name. Yes. And then I swear that other name came up as the guy that did the music for the movie. But I could be completely <laughs> oh, wrong. Oh my God. I'm going to look that up right there. Look yeah, that I'm up because I remember going, that can't be yeah. right. But if it is, it is. that's awesome. It is Good totally. for is him. It, is it true? Oh my God, yes. really? He composed oh, this, uh, The Day After Tomorrow, Alien versus Predator, and 10,000 BC. Wow. I love that. You're like, and you're recording your BC? And oh midway. Yeah. Really? Wow. I love that you're composing your score and you're like, you want to write the next one? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I've got this idea. I'm a big fan of this guy, Dr. Hapgood. And anyway. <laughs> well, apparently he co-wrote 10,000 BC as well. Yeah. Oh, great. Good. So that's like a, that's like a, you understand, you understand the, the vibration of this kind of movie in your yeah. soul. So just write this with me. You know what? Please. If yeah. you got, if you got the juice for it, then he's still composing for Roland Emmerich, but those were his only two writing credits. Wow. Yeah, well, well they had a good run. They had a good run on that. Worth it. Good job. Yeah, now, I gotta say, like, so we, in terms of our recording schedule, our recording schedule is a little flipped and we just recorded our, for anybody, we just recorded our Jurassic Park episode a few days ago and now we're recording this. And I got to say, it's so wild going off of the whole rubbery and like looking at practical effects versus real effects, because it is so wild to watch this. I'm watching it on a very, my television is actually almost as old as this movie. It's from 2000, uh, 2007. Okay. So older is than it a movie. tube? Yeah, <laughs> just shy. My television has an inch and a half bezel, um, but it has made it through college and I just like refuse to get rid of it. So it's from 2007. So the quality on it is going to give you what you would have seen yeah. when you watch this movie and it looks like garbage. Um, but I mean that in a loving way. Like it definitely, it doesn't look like garbage. It looks very rubbery. It does look very CGI'd and it's so well to see that in comparison to it looked great from on my TV. 15, really? Yes. Yeah. So from 15 years prior to look at Jurassic Park, which looks so good still. And watching it, I was like, what? everything, like well, I expected the effects to look so bad yeah. on like the CGI stuff, but that mix of, they thread that needle of practical and CGI so beautifully. And with this, where there's so little to ground it, it was really kind of interesting to watch because I was like, this is fun yeah. and this is amazing. But God, I wish I was getting some of the old Roland Emmerich, like Independence Day, tiny models, like give me, I just wanted to see, I, I really just wanted to see um, the president like staring at an actual crumbling Washington yeah. monument. Like that sure. was one of those ones where I was like that, we could have had see, that. Though. Exactly. But I mean, that's, you know, the original Jurassic was great because they yeah. mixed it in in a great way. And then some of those dinosaurs were actually animatronic and all mm -hmm. that. That's yeah. what I think that's, I'm trying to get back. I'm about to do this big project for, for Netflix. And I'm, that's my thing is like, I want more practical stuff yeah. because I think as an audience member, you just engage with it more. Even if you look at the original star Wars, like yeah. we were all yeah. flipping out because even though they were, you know, those were models that were flying around that they made look real. And I and love that painting. Yeah. I love matte painting. Well, this I'll pick painting. it. I'll pick it ten out of ten. When I was in film school, I met Albert Whitlock, who was the 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 king of uh, you know of wow. matte paintings. We actually saw wow. him painting one in his oh, cool. uh, in his studio, and it was That's crazy. Awesome. So yeah, I love all that stuff too. I like yeah. close perspective yeah. and all that. Yes. Yeah, but studios are always kind of like okay, but nobody wants to see that. I'm like yeah, but now I say but mm -hmm. Baby Yoda. Yep. Mm -hmm. Is real, yeah. well, you know, <laughs> yeah. and 
oh my god chewbacca is just a guy in a fursuit you don't know yeah. <laughs> yeah. this dallas howard said so well you stage this beautiful action <laughs> sequence it's <laughs> thrilling it's enthralling and then all anybody wants to talk about is baby with soup yeah, yeah. exactly well, because it was a real little baby with soup it, it does <laughs> And, and it was amazing. It yeah. does. <laughs> but have you guys seen all the like women on Facebook who have baby Yodas that they know like pretend are actual babies? Oh boy. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. And they Less. like and the babies all like they capture like my mommy says I'm too small for me to eat this myself. And it's like, oh my God, what's happening? I just want you both to look at the I want you all to go and journey into oh, the subculture. I'm, I'm so in on this. I didn't <laughs> see what you hundred percent like I look forward to this ending up somewhere in one of your movies just because of yeah, that. It's but like, it's, yeah, that, when I remake Trilogy of Terror with the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's a full subculture that exists now, guys. Well, I think I think that conversation that it's something because I've worked in post for the last few years, and it's a conversation we had a lot when figuring out VFX elements and having like production meetings trying to plan scenes with you know production and post, like figuring out what was going to be done where. And the conversation always centered around the idea of using VFX to enhance versus create, right? Like yeah, right. anytime that mm-hmm. you can create practically that you should, and then whatever the gaps are that need to be filled, you know, yeah. are the things that you then enhance with VFX. And that seems like it's usually the most effective use of VFX is when there is sort of something nice grounding it. Co- to paint on yeah. at the end. Yeah, and it's oh. like, sure, you might have a costume that's got seams and weird things yeah. going on, yeah. but like fixing those seams and like re-gluing whatever it is to an actor's face or whatever, you know, with VFX is a lot better than just not having yeah. an actor there talking. You know, yeah, they whatever. tell me that all the time. They're like, "Get just give us something and we'll make yeah. it work. Don't make us build it from nothing. It's a million and, times. And, you know, yeah. if you look at Ghostbusters, we did a lot practically in that. And then we yeah. augmented. All the ghosts were real people. Yeah. Awesome. And then yeah. we went in. The only one that we ended up completely replacing, which I've never been happy with, was the ghost down in the um, in the subway. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because um, that was my friend Dave Allen, who was uh, who was uh, uh, Mr. Rosso on, mm. on Freaks and Geeks, played uh-huh. that ghost. And we had him on <laughs> strings and all we have these yeah. like light oh, suits we put them in and stuff but then they they kind of went crazy yeah. i fully thought you were gonna say that you engineered chris hemsworth from the ground up and then like you know, <laughs> he, he was engineered it. somewhere yeah. at some yeah. point because he can't it. be yeah. real no, too then, nice and too beautiful yeah, yeah. <laughs> the nicest guy uh, in the world too i have to say that oh, seems God. to be the consensus which That's is just the greatest. you love to know that oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to bring, this is a, a minor, just going off of the practical effects thing. If you guys don't follow Muppet History on Twitter, it's a really just charming account. Um, it is, they just post like videos of Muppet stuff. Oh. And today he posed, or a couple days ago, he posted, Jim Henson always loved to have those, how did they do that moments? <laughs> and he posts this video of Kermit, like there's a, a candle sliding across the table in front of Kermit, and then he blows it out <laughs> and the candle slides off. <laughs> and I, I, it took me three times of watching it before I realized that the how did they do that wasn't moving the candle, but was Kermit blowing out the candle. <laughs> oh, I, interesting. Right, because, like, but it doesn't, it takes a second. I think that's a really great example right. of the practical effects yeah. aspect of, like, what tangibly, we'll fully believe that Kermit can blow out a candle mm-hmm. if it's physically mm-hmm. there, but it becomes less realistic if can't, if Kermit yeah. doesn't physically I mean, do Kermit it. riding a bike is one of the great exactly. effects. I'm old enough. Piggy on the bike is the thing that I still Thank can't you. figure out. Yeah. See, I because I feel old because I'm old enough to have been at the opening day of, of the Muppet movie. <laughs> I wasn't that young. Um, and we were all just like, how is he riding a bike? How's that blew our minds yeah. more yeah. than 
thing we've ever seen. And I, I don't think I've ever had that experience since where you're just like, how did they do that? Yeah. So, Kermit riding the bike is still more mind blowing than like augmented reality Kermit dancing mm-hmm. to the succession theme yeah. song. Because yeah. <laughs> there were no digital effects back then. Yeah. So no. they didn't like paint out the wires or whatever. So No, so it was just Kermit rode a bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now does are we now that we're on to Kermit rode a bike? I feel like that's a good pivot into to the what was this movie really about? Uh, yes, and we should. Reality, wait, you guys, there's one more reality index thing. I really because we have a notable one of the most notably fancy men in Hollywood. I would wow. argue. Thank um, I mean, you guys can't see this because we don't ever put videos out, but. Uh, you are wearing a pocket square. Is how <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the standard maybe, issue. Maybe we'll put yeah. a screen cap out on. Uh, on I Twitter. did take yeah, a couple. Of, I took go. a couple <laughs> screen caps because my like my parents. This is the first. My dad finally understands what podcasting is because he's excited about this episode. Um, <laughs> Yay! Hello. <laughs> and that keeps, like every time I talk to him, I'm, he's like, "So when do you go on the air?" And I'm like, "No, no, no, Dad, it's recording." And he's like, "But when do you broadcast?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love. It's taken a couple tries, but um, I. When at what point in the movie did you guys each realize that his character had been wearing a tie for the entirety of the movie? <laughs> and this is so reality index. <laughs> Paul, would you wear a tie in this disaster? So uh, two questions. So first, yes. When did you? Second realize? question first. Yes, yeah. I would. I would always <laughs> have a tie on. No, I completely zoned it out until he's in the water, coming out of the water after he saves everything. Wow. I was like. Oh my God, he's wearing a tie. <laughs> it was a very big realization for me. And I was like, how did I not be thinking about that the that entire time? Unbelievable. Yeah. Nuts. That's that, so that is... was my moment. Was in, he's in the water and the tie sort of bounces in the water in front of him. And I'm like, is he does he have a tie on? Has he been suited up this whole time? Whole movie, I guess, man. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I that that completely like that wiped away at a certain point. And like that moment too, that that movie, that moment is a real like just the accumulation of unreality happening where like that thing is holding up those, that metal piece is holding up those gears. And when they start turning, it does not immediately suck John Cusack down yeah. into them or catch his tie that he is maintaining. <laughs> it, you, know, think you don't want wardrobe. something dangling when you're- Yeah, yeah you're not supposed like... to wear a tie if you operate heavy machinery. I actually had a coworker who almost got sucked into a, like a, just a regular shredder because we had to wear a little like ties, pussy bows with our yeah. suit for work mm-hmm. and it got caught and there's actually we have security camera footage of her getting sucked in and it oh happens. god it has yeah. happened that happened it, it has happened <laughs> is, yeah vault, the vault at cartier almost was covered in maria it was oh. really <laughs> my god well then that that i think is uh that's a perfect segue okay. Let's, uh, we, and, and we will we will have uh uh what was this really about right after the ad break Hello, Disaster Divas. It's producer Jason, and I've been sent from the future to ask you one question. Do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies. So much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts advocating for the immediate production of a third national treasure to comfy sweatshirts that serve as a call to arms for all those in support of making Judy Greer America's lead. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. 
Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERFRIEND, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com, that's S-U-P-E-R-Y-A-K-I.com, using code SUPERFRIEND. Let's watch more movies, and let's get back to the show. That brings us into the what was this movie really about? And Paul, would you like one of us to start? Do you have Uh, a a burning takeaway that you're ready to share? I have one takeaway, which is that it sometimes takes the death of billions of people to get one (laughs) child out of diapers. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Her arc arc really goes. Right at the end, I'm not wearing pull-ups anymore. I was like, (laughs) is that why this movie existed? (laughs) To just get her, which, because I, if I went through that experience, would be wearing pull-ups the rest of my life (laughs) because it was so unsettling, but... um, yeah, so divorce is actually her. more traumatizing for a child than the literal end of the world is the lesson there. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. But that's my joke one. So I, I'm going to let you guys go first because I want to hear what you have to say. All right, Amanda, me, what do you want me to get? Uh, go? I mean, I've got two on okay. this one. So I've go got like, it. okay. So um, the within the world of the movie, much like how with Day After Tomorrow, I think that like the intended message was different than what the actual message was. Right. Roland Emmerich intended for the message to be this very egalitarian, like look at Mm -hmm. all humans coming together. They let people on. Yeah. But I think the actual message is that basically um, humanity, this is a very accurate depiction of how humanity works in the sense that when she's like, when Laura, the president's daughter, oh my God, we didn't even talk about Henry and Tony, you guys. Oh, oh, it's so oh, sad. I know. Oh, okay, so in sad. the original script, they survive. They no, should have. Really? Head, their boat should have made it. No, they Poseidon Adventure. Oh, <laughs> oh so the whole right? sideline of them surviving in the Genesis? And so the Genesis tips over, which it's not called the Genesis in that script. It's like the spirit of the seas. And they're like, no, no, no. <laughs> Hold on. We got to go more on the nose with this. Right. <laughs> the tips over and it capsizes and then washes ashore in Africa and they've all survived. So... Good ending, happy ending. In my head, that's how it ends. Again, vindictive. Roland Emmerich, a vindictive yeah. man. Just, yeah. Jesus. Just yeah. fuck that boat. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he said. Boat. All those people. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have we're gonna have that one guy actually listen on the phone as his mm. child, his estranged son dies. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Then, oh my god. Then yeah. then we're gonna he's gonna hear. Then we're the gonna screams. squash the other guy against the yeah. wall yeah. with a and then we're water. gonna watch these best friend life partners um die together on this yeah. boat. Right. Wow. But he did two, get to have one last drink. So that yeah, was yeah, he did get a break of sobriety. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which, you know, obviously that's how you should go out is just completely just throw the sobriety out the window if the world's ending. Why bother? <laughs> uh, that's a great message. But yeah, so um, <laughs> weird, weird side note is like, how weird is it that Tony's issue with his son was racist? That was a very... <laughs> Yeah. weird addition. It was such an odd thing. And they could have found, it could have been so they many They could have just things. not included the line, so what if he married a Japanese woman? Right. It was yeah. like, exactly. cut that on, leave that on the floor. We finally talked. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. There's so many other things. 
mean, he could be mad at you for the fact that you spent your whole life on cruise ships. Like, right. There's very easy to have yeah. father-son issues here that don't have to do with that. Yeah. Well, you, since you read the script, was that an addition to make us feel less bad that they died? Right. No, right. So, okay. The the weird thing is, so one, no, that stays in there the whole time. That is <laughs> and that is from the second draft on. Oh, thank oh, God. God. Well, right? Go. Gotta have that in there. Um, <laughs> in that, though, um, I can't remember which one's Harry and which one's Tony. The one whose son is Adrian, who's the alcoholic. I think that's Harry. Is that Harry? Okay, yeah. so Harry um, yeah. orders the bourbon and Tony's right. like, after 25, 25 years of sobriety years. and yeah. Harry basically uses it to get Tony to call his son with the oh, knowledge that Tony okay. doesn't know that his son, that like the world's gonna end, but Harry does. Uh, oh. Um, and Harry kind of uses that and he does down it, um, but we don't get to see Harry like, drinking excessively like and at a piano like we do right, um, yeah. and we don't see tony call his son we just find out after the fact he's like i tried calling and i couldn't get him oh so he made it more grisly it's yeah so so roland was like no 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 what if we actually like see the family and yeah, yeah what if we see the little girl what if we fall in love with the adorable niece yeah. oh my god she's adorable the, it's like so wonderfully precocious can answer a phone yes. <laughs> Who's calling? Cute. Yes, Oops. yes, you can. Guess yep. what? They're <laughs> dead. Yeah. And then ah, on the other end of the line. Oh god. <laughs> Too bad he didn't have like a pithy sort of Schwarzenegger y sort of yeah. uh, I guess I I don't know. I don't know what the joke would be. But yeah. <laughs> probably something very racist if you Yeah, no, on, with yeah. the way that scene was going. Yeah. yeah, it's probably for the best they didn't get to reconcile, all things considered. Like, yeah. that was not going to end well. I mean, you're, yes. that talk. you're better you're off being that killed than yeah. having to <laughs> yeah. sort this mess out. Sort this out. Yeah. Sort this out. <laughs> than having to navigate your casually racist father. Yeah. 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 But your you're, what was this really about? Oh, yes. Okay, so anyway, my what was this really about? Um... So I think as as Laura is talking to Adrian is like, we saved all of, we saved Da Vinci, we saved Picasso, but we don't save like the random person, you know, the unknown artist. Right, yeah. And Adrian's like, but what about this one random author who sucks? Yeah. <laughs> who also happens to be a man because my bookshelf is probably predominantly men because I read whatever's in front of me and it's controlled by, which like, so the idea that by sheer luck, the idea basically of this movie to me is the rich will survive because they have the resources mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what would you, and you can't fault them for it because you would do the same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. But not rich person. If you're just lucky enough, <laughs> you might survive too. So it's okay. Yeah. So that was sort of the overarching theme for me. It's was kind just of like, like the capitalistic promise. Yeah. yeah. Like it's it like could this, be you. It, it could, could be you. you. So that was very much to me what the message of this movie was, even though I don't think that was the intended movie in the right. same way that I don't right. think that uh, Day After Tomorrow was supposed to be an anti-intellectual movie, mm -hmm. but Roland Emmerich would absolutely, and would absolutely say, oh no, this is a movie about how important logic and reason and human right. achievement is. Yeah. In this, I think he'd be like, no, this is about how mankind all bands together. Yeah. But yeah. It's but if really you're lucky not. enough to have been working on yeah. the projects and to save the rich people, they might yeah. let you they in. They might let you yeah. in. Yeah. And if you're not one yeah. of the people that falls over, which if you notice, everybody falling over, yeah. they're all workers. Yeah. yeah. It's all guys in those tan jumpsuits. Trying to like all stop the guys the, keep yeah. falling off the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
So, but then they let a few in, so it's okay. So it's okay, and then they all live in the cargo hold for months on end. But the billionaires have to live with them, so that's some sort of so weird that's, kind that is of punishing. You know, that is punishment oh, so in everyone, Roland's world. Everyone yeah, learns yeah. an important lesson. <laughs> they let they let the poor people lick the caviar tins. It's fine. <laughs> the caviar. Tins. No, okay, you said you had two. So, so that's my. That's so that's my. Two. That's one of two. So that's what I think this movie okay. was about. But what this movie was about in a larger sense as part of the culture mm -hmm. is I think that this movie speaks really in the same way that we're looking at the works that Laura's collecting versus what she isn't collecting and that yeah. she's determining and that we've sort of collectively determined what's art and what's not. Mm -hmm. um, in the same way, when we look at movies that get saved and preserved. Right, yeah. Um, the movies that have gone into that storage facility we have, like, don't we have like a storage facility in the side of a mountain? To preserve yeah. movies, yeah. Well, it's also and it's for the the uh, congressional record, yeah. Whatever yeah. They so all of the things, all of the things that we as a culture have used to preserve our cultural and narrative legacies, mm -hmm. um, disaster movies get left out of those, mm -hmm. and that's I think a real failing on the part of our culture, mm -hmm. because if you, it would be like if the Babylonians didn't preserve Gilgamesh, or mm -hmm. the Jews didn't record the flood myth, or mm -hmm. like. India, in a big part of Hinduism is there's multiple stories of destruction and recreation because mm -hmm. this captures a really specific visceral fear. Mm -hmm. And those those myths capture how we, what we fear in life, what we see in the world around us in a mm -hmm. way that dramas and comedies don't necessarily because they really Why are- I love horror. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and so to me, this movie, what this captured is this truly is our modern flood myth. Um, mm. In a lot of ways, yeah. he just mm. fully like Darren Aronofsky's it and is like, I'm gonna call it what it is. And this little yeah. boy's name is gonna be Noah and there's fucking arcs. <laughs> <laughs> like we're not even gonna be casual here. We're calling yeah. them arcs. We're not the calling animals them will, super The boats. animals will be flown in two by two. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so this movie to me was sort of the way, the encapsulation of, and the sort of the pinnacle of how a disaster movie can be our modern flood myth and mm -hmm. how important it is for us to not dismiss these movies out of hand in the cultural context because of what they speak to. Um, and I say that especially as we've gone through this pandemic and have talked to a lot of people who enjoy this podcast right. and have said specifically that this, pan this podcast has helped them get through the pandemic mm -hmm. as they watch these horrible things happening that are so mm -hmm. much bigger than the world and the disaster we're currently in. Yeah. Um, so that to me was the other thing was that this is sort of, I think this movie speaks to the fact that we dismiss disaster movies, but we have to hold on to them mm -hmm. and preserve them just like we would the Mona Lisa. Amen. Amen. I Thank fully you. agree with that. And, you know, on the topic of film preservation, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity to say, put a simple favor in the Criterion Collection. You well, thank cowards. you so much. Oh, thank God, you. yes. I, I've, I've got yes. I've constant, like, the, 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 mission, the mission doesn't stop just because it's not that podcast. <laughs> I so. know none of my movies will be in that side, whatever the mountain side. <laughs> I guarantee that. <laughs> that so is, I will there is that. my mountain. They are in my mountain. <laughs> and that's where I'm going to live. So I go into the mountains a lot. I can just, like, create a little cubby and just put yeah. them all in. Yeah. There. there you go. Let's like build my, our own arc. <laughs> I can, yeah. I, I will put my shitty DVD player and my Freaks and Geeks comp, my Freaks and Geeks series right into like a little pocket. Nice. And then we'll carry it forward. Oh, yeah. The, the little lending library, a little there take one, go. leave one. Yeah. Um, I guess my, 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 what is this movie really about is the, the, it from like a, a, 
auteur's standpoint, the ever existing tension between what Roland Emmerich seems to mean to say versus what he seems to actually say, (laughs) which is the like this movie seems to be like about about like the destruction of the state and the collapse of your icons. Like, again, as as you pointed out, the Basilica of St. Peter rolling over praying Catholics in the square. <laughs> the, the, uh, the derision with which Oliver Platt's character, who, like, I think he's, like, the Secretary of State. Like, I think that's his job. I couldn't tell that. Ever. Is he, like, like the, you know, the, the Chief of Staff or something? Right, yeah, okay, yeah, I Chief think of he's, staff. like, a Carl Rovey kind of person. Yeah, yeah. Right, he, or, so, he, like, his absolute, like, it, like turning, like, the, the, the icky smell in his nose when he, like, admonished the Italian prime minister he's like well yeah like if he wants to rely on prayer and his like just the you know being the one who's like I have to I'm making these hard decisions that are brutal and you get to be the bleeding heart because I exist like you Mm -hmm. only get to live because someone like me is here to make the tough calls and those tough calls like we watch like the collapse of religion we Mm. watch the collapse of like the most iconic piece of sorts, like the American American statehood, which is the White House, underneath the weight of like the USS John F. Kennedy aircraft carrier after watching the Washington Monument turn to dust. Mm-hmm. Like we watch so many of these sacred cows get demolished in this way that's like this free for all, fuck them. And then we the have- The Randy's like, donut donut. The Randy's <laughs> donut donut. And we watch, like, we see like the continent of Africa is the one that survives because like, for, out of some, I think, statement to be like, and now this continent will rise and be the seat and cradle of humanity after I guess, right. you know, being disenfranchised and colonized and, and, and exploited. But, and yet, there is still the preservation of the systems that resulted in all of these idols rising in the first place in the end, because it is still a boat of billionaires. Mm -hmm. It is still a boat where like heads of state have been brought and they're going to like bring their, they're going to have like the UN centered in like one country in a large continent and just call it like a recreation of the global world order. Like, you know, those people are going to show up and be like, okay, this movie starts with an anti G8 protest. And you know that they're going to recreate the G8 just on average and be like, well, we're the heads of state of Italy and France and United States. Like, so we're going to start making some decisions here and we're going to open up a mind there. We're going to do this here. Like you can just feel the hanging on to those old guards while alleging to wipe out all the guards to make the way for a new world. And just the constant tension that sits between those things in Roland mm-hmm. Emmerich's work that makes yeah. them really even more thrilling to watch because you're wading through those internal tensions the entire time. It's like, this is fucking nice. <laughs> with, with the blank check level permissions that he got to make something like a two and a half hour yeah. world world liquefies under the feet of, of yes. all humanity and rearranges This itself. is a $200 million original movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That never <laughs> happens. That's a great yeah. point. Original story. <laughs> but coming off of a track record of making a ton of money, so that is yeah. it's truly the pushing yeah. in the chips on the on the poker. <laughs> yeah. And he pushed them in, man. Yeah, I mean, I, when you're when you're rolling Emmerich, you're like, so it, I feel like you just go in to your meeting, your pitch meeting, and you're like, so okay, here's the deal. <laughs> Plates slide around, and they and and like the executives like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> How many natural disasters will they outrun in vehicles? And Roland Emmerich's like five. Four to five. Yeah. Two hundred million dollars. We'll give yeah. you. We'll give you five million dollars per time they out. Fifty million dollars per time they outrun something. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> That's how you pitch if you're Roland Emmerich. I feel like. Yep. 
I, I won't I won't put you on the spot to do it now, Paul, but I do oh. hope one day I can ask you about what your push the chips in dream movie would be. You, oh. you, you no need to disclose now. Oh, okay. You, or perhaps if perhaps you're working on it right now, so you can't I, say. I pushed but them I, in I pushed them in once already, and that was Ghostbusters. <laughs> <It> was <laughs> that was fucking, a big that was a big chip push, I gotta say. It was a fucking great time. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so that much. That is a joyful great time. Is <laughs> what you. I say to that. I appreciate yeah. that. So give them the As, chips. And let him push him back again. Thank yes. you. Here we go. Yep. Um, <laughs> I've well, got like two chips if you want them. I actually you know, I need all the actually, chips I can get, my friend. I take that back. Chips. I just got my uh, my Uts shipment just arrived yesterday. So now <laughs> I've got like chips. six. I have 60 of bags chips of chips. If yeah. you want any baked, and if you want any chips, I have like a lot. Oh, yes. thank you. Yay. Yeah. Um, That's going to no, be the gift that we give people when I come on our podcast now. Is like, do you want one individual size bag of crab us. chips? Of grab a, a grab bag of Uts chips. Seriously, yeah. that's going to be it. I have so yeah. many, you guys. Anyway, yeah, what, what were you going to say, Paul? Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, I'm just, if I can break down what I think the movie's about. Um, yes. Oh, yes. I, yes. I, I know oh, my joke one before. No, I, it's actually, there's several things. Um, okay. I'm going to go from, from most practical to uh, most heady. Okay. Um, it's not that Amazing. heady, trust me. Um, I think the most practical is Roland Emmerich went, I love Irwin Allen movies. Mm -hmm, I love, mm -hmm. you know, airplane movies. I yep. love all these other things. I'm going to put every single element of all those things into a big ass movie yeah. where we destroy everything. Yes. And it's gonna be kids are gonna go wild and people are gonna go wild. You know, and it's and this yes. was like 2008 was really that time. Cause I mean, we weren't, I guess we were, but we weren't kind of in the absolute thrall of superhero movies. We weren't. It was still, it was still, it was burgeoning. Yeah. And it was, it was still a monoculture. This there is was a still a monoculture. World. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. See, exactly. And so this was when it was all about spectacle and yeah. it was about how can you make everything gigantic and yes. action packed and blah, 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 blah. So that this, I'm sure I get those Sony executives must have been like, oh my God. And it's Roland Emmerich. <laughs> Here, take more, take more. And he's yeah. like, I think I can do it for 200 million. Go, you want three? And it's like, no, well, I'll take two for now. And 200 reported. I, I reported, usually yeah. always. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So there's that. Um, there's also this, I mean, you really hit on this, uh, Jordan and Amanda too, about, um, it's a, this is very much the patriarchy, this movie. It's very Republican. It's yes. so yeah. reeks of Republican. So Republican. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it, it's w weird to watch it now in the middle of this pandemic because there's a lot of weird Trumpiness going on mm -hmm. in this movie that you're kind of like, okay. The women have just terrible roles. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, no woman does anything really, no. you know, to, to, you know, other than support the men and kind of. Mm -hmm. you know, Amanda Pete is only a mom and an ex-wife, and Tandy Newton is only crying. Like, yeah, she's exactly. like only forlorn. Yeah. Fun fact: can, in it, the it, original it, script, Amanda Pete meets Gordon when she gets a boob job. Nope. Uh, oh. Uh, Really, uh, yeah. really well, glad they so sad scrapped that's that. Gone. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, bummer. No, the only actually the only woman who really accomplishes something major is is Grandma, who it gets all everybody in. You know, on yep, you know, gets them right. past their her son and yeah, the Tibetan true. grandmother. Yes, She's, her yes. grandson. So, so there's that. So I think it's just got that kind of like yeah, fellas, we got to take care of the world, and it's got that thing that always has driven me crazy about you know that that side of the aisle, if you will, yeah. which is. All right, all these people are 
pie in the sky. They want their art. They want things to be just. All right. Yeah. But when push comes to shove, uh-huh. you know, we got to be, we got to man up and we're, we'll tell them and we'll take care of them and they'll hate us, but we're going to do it. It's very yeah. Good. We'll tell them what's good for them. Yeah. yeah. The father figures of the world. All go, yeah. Okay. They're all screwing around now. Let's get serious. Yeah. So there's yeah. that. Um, and then I think it's just, it's more of this kind of, you know, the world will shrug occasionally and we are powerless in it. So it's yes. kind of nihilistic in that way too. And it's, yes. and it's, it's weird that he's kind of like religion. All right. Yeah. We're going to squash you all with, you know, the top of the place that you like, you know, yeah. <laughs> your, your God lives. Yeah. <laughs> so it is kind of like, you know, folks, uh, get ready, you know, but have money, like yeah. be successful because uh-huh. then you got a chance. You mm-hmm. might buy your way in, yep. but we yep. will let a few of those workers in just yeah. because the one guy, the bleeding heart liberal kind of demanded it. Yeah. And, and because someone's got to, someone's got to run the gears. Like I was gonna someone, say, I, I'm sure those oil. workers are, got a great gig with all those, all those billionaires on that ship yep. now. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Could you grab you're in that tan suit? Can yeah. you go grab? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I think ultimately it's it, it's it's a fairly nihilistic yeah. film, but um, but it's so fucking entertaining. You it's know? so yeah. fucking entertaining. So and good. It, it really underscores how entertaining it is, mm-hmm. the, the the apparent nihilism in it, because you're like, shit, in spite of all that. I am, I, I am, I am elate. Like I am feeling the serotonin just like pump into my body while I'm watching totally. this. I was yeah, having totally. such a blast of a time, even watching with the intent of scrutinizing in this way. It was still like, I can't deny it. Yeah. Like, it's just like hearing that song and you just can't not dance. And you're like, oh my God, I don't even like this fucking song. <laughs> no, like, exactly. I don't even, I don't even like this, get this wedding song, but I just can't stop. <laughs> the listeners can't but, but see Jordan was end. doing a great sway while Jordan she was singing. Oh no. Just solely that, shoulder you, dancing like an ant at a wedding. Are you talking about the end, the end credit song? Cause. <laughs> Adam Lambert. Oh, the, well that, all this goes into it. Then you go like, that's the song. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of what is it? It's kind of like I think the theme of it is like um, love. We're all gonna love each other. Yeah, yeah, I, like I love a theme-heavy credit song in a movie like this. Yeah, but you like, really like, got to get to the it, chorus. The, yeah, yeah. Know? It was it was like in in Avatar. What was it like? I see you. Like that that like credit song. Like anything in that vein. I mean, obviously the pinnacle is my heart will go on. That is the yes, <laughs> the definitive course. song. But or the any, morning after. Yeah. <laughs> That was a big hit song, you know. It was. When I was a and kid. I, that was a giant hit on the radio. I did not realize. Like, yeah. I knew that song, and I knew Poseidon. I didn't know that it was mm-hmm. for the Poseidon yeah. Adventure. I thought it was just something the movie used, and did yeah. not learn that until we covered it on this. I was like, that was a fucking bespoke song. Yeah. I was the so Poseidon ready Adventure. for their Which I think won well, the Oscar, the right? Theme, yeah, it's the yeah. theme from the Poseidon Adventure, yeah. which feels very, very misleading. because you really expect it to be like this is gonna be a song that's on the nose about boats and instead (laughs) it's about a brother and sister tip it over over. (laughs) the brother and sister with a suspiciously close relationship a a possibly brother fucking relationship oh my god yeah oh i know donnie donnie Donnie's dead. Come on. Oh my God. That movie changed my life. I, I was going to say, this lays, this lays the groundwork. I never recovered from that movie. 
I, I mean, love is it because so you love yeah. Belle Rosen as much as we love Belle Rosen <laughs> well, and know that Shelly Winters should have survived? Oh my God, I know. Manny, uh, Manny. Uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't fit through it, Manny. <laughs> I know. You know? Ooh, and he hit her in the butt. I mean, I yeah. remember, oh, I could tell you when we, I sat in the theater watching that opening weekend. I was so excited. <laughs> all the things we laughed at and all that stuff. <laughs> but, but again, going back to like practical stuff, that has some of my favorite effects in it. Like oh, that boat, God. when it's underwater, upside mm-hmm. down, and it keeps blowing things up. That yeah. looks awesome. It looks it's amazing. Good. And it feels like it's dangerous for the actors. So you feel the danger for the yeah. actors. Exactly. Yeah. Every moment of that, you're like, those are real children who are just violating labor laws. And that's acceptable. Right. Yeah, I want that. I yeah. want the danger. I want children in physical peril. In yeah. the- <laughs> Not looking like- at a tennis ball on a string. No, no. See, that, but that's exactly Make- it. Be like, casting processes, how many seconds can you hold your breath? Yes, exactly. <laughs> we'll but so, so I have a long, lifelong love of, of uh, disaster movies. I remember being in the theater with my mom watching some other movie and they showed the preview for The Towering Inferno. And it was, the, it's got to be online somewhere. You got to look it up because it's almost not a preview. It's like, it's, there's coming some, it, it, it's, it, they kind of like make it like as a documentary or something. Yeah, is it like three to five minutes long? Yeah, it's like the a way mini film used or something. Yeah. And I'm just some shot of like, boom, in the door and the flames come out. I'm like, oh, I got to see that. So um, you are welcome to come those. back. You are welcome to come back, Paul, and do this again with <laughs> another. With, well, can we do the original Earthquake? Have yes. you seen that movie? Yeah, no. we haven't done it yet. That My movie only... is bananas. It's so we haven't crazy. done that. So yes, I just okay. know it. I just know the ride on Universal is part of the as part of the tram tour. Oh, you that gotta. Was... <laughs> Have you watched it? Have you seen it? I've never seen, seen it. Like, oh my god! Okay, you got that one. Yeah. Okay, get, get ready. Now. Get ready because it's so. It would do, you got George Kennedy, which I know you're a fan. Oh god, I love exactly. George Kennedy. I love that guy. Like, and from, it's got the guys. One of the stars is the guy. I can't remember his name. He was famous because he was a child preacher and he became an actor. Wow. Um, you'll 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 look all this up when you watch it. But it's, <laughs> it's a very cheesy movie. It's a very cheesy movie. But um, but oh, it, 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 sorry, I'm such a fan of the show. I just want to go back. Like, <laughs> One thing you guys didn't mention when you when you watched Towering Inferno oh. is, do you remember who the child was in in the Towering Inferno, the child star? It was Not- Bobby Brady from the Brady Bunch. Oh my, oh my god. god! Oh my god! Are you aware of that? Yeah. Wow. Mike, look all at hits, no skips in the cast of Towering Inferno. I'm telling you, I because I remember oh. watching. It's Bobby Brady. Who- <laughs> Who weirdly, when I made a movie, a very unsuccessful movie in Utah, back to Utah. Oh, um, wow. Called Unaccompanied Minors, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they go, oh, here's your driver. He, I think he was a driver or a PA, somebody on the set. And they, I go, that's Mike looking. That's, I, you're Mike looking. Yeah, it's like, Bobby Brady is on my movie. <laughs> And Bobby Brady's son is in the movie. If you ever and don't please don't watch it. It's not a good movie. But uh, <laughs> but I got Bobby Brady's son in in the movie. So anyway, so that's wow. I wow. had to bring that up. I just, I just felt, looked. Uh, no, these are a, great. That's a great one. These are the cascading gifts that disaster movies give us. Like this is why the art form must be preserved. We cannot yeah. let this go. Yeah, we but that's what Roland was really. I mean, this is his most Irwin Allen-y of all his movies. Yeah, I have yeah. to say. I mean, Independence Day. Yeah, but this one because. You're pop. There's so many people. The minute that George Siegel, you know, and I don't really know the other actor's name, come onto the boat as the, yeah. you know, the jazz guy. The jazz dude. I was like, this is 
so balls out, just Irwin Allen, like, you oh, know, yeah. let's meet somebody else who it, we're, we're going to watch die. Who, yeah, and who's never going to overlap physically with any of the other characters. This is going to be an entirely separate shooting schedule over here. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to take it back to, like, we're going to harken back to the goal, like, the inaugural age of the disaster movie era. And we're going to put a fucking boat in here. Yeah. We're going to put a boat in <laughs> here and, and cruise ship disaster. Yeah. And have an on the nose song that they sing at a party. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's we, interesting to watch Irwin Allen's career because he started to run out of disasters. <laughs> and there's a movie. Have you seen The Swarm? We want to cover The Swarm. We have, I've we, not we, watched The Swarm yet. Okay. We want to saving that. it until yeah. we watch okay, it. Okay, good. It, it's another. It's 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 not great. But, <laughs> but they take great pleasure. I, I, I want to give you a spoiler, but hey. somebody gets killed who's beloved in it, and you go, "Oh, that was just me." <laughs> <laughs> actor that we all love so much for kind of no reason and um so anyway yeah. I'll, but i, I yeah. won't say anything else no hey. talking about talking about all these classics i, I think is like we, do, are we even are we are we dream casting this at all because oh I, yeah I'm, I'm, oh. I, I'm not is i don't think i'm changing anything about this yeah i think it's another one where it just kind of exists for me well, I was I lucky enough, it, right at the time that this movie came out, I worked with Oliver Platt. I directed him on an I was episode. just going to say, just shouts death. out to Oliver Platt. Oh, my, he is the yeah. greatest. He God, is he's good. so much fun to work with. He's so good and just, he's just a delight. He's so he inventive. Has, he's got a million like crazy ideas and they're all awesome. He has such range. And yeah. I was like watching this, I was like, you know who I miss? Oliver Platt. Yeah. And not even like in a quintessentially Oliver Platt role because there there isn't one. He's mm -hmm. just so good at fitting into whatever he needs to be. I, I was so he, I was so happy like hating him and him being a jerk. I was like, oh, he's, he's so, good, so at this. good they don't kill him. And he is yeah. that is the textbook character Shocking you kill horribly at some yep, point. Yeah. Yep. No. He's yeah. the only one who never really he's the because like of all the like like heel-ish or annoying mm -hmm. characters, he's the only one that never atones. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, yeah. that's why this is a very, you know, Republican movie because mm -hmm. yeah. he is the voice of that. Like, well, I told the hard truths, but I yeah. got us through this, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's that very neoconservative strain of conservatism that we were coming out of at he's, the time. Yeah, he's very exactly. much like playing exactly. a remnant of the Bush administration yes. very clearly. But yep. also like, as I was watching, I was like, it occurred to me that it's almost a disappointment that there's been no one yet in the Trump administration that Oliver can play in a film. <laughs> because he's such I don't, a I'm not going to doubt the range of Oliver Platt. Hey, I would like to I'm see him try. It. I'm, he could, I'm he could play Trump if he really wanted to lean really, into yeah. it. I, didn't, I did not want to insult Oliver by suggesting I know. <laughs> We'll call <laughs> it an acting job. In the next yeah. 10 years, I feel like he's going to do a lot of thinly veiled um, films about <laughs> the administration. But yeah, they don't, normally you do get to see, there's some moment of gravitas where he's like, I was wrong. Yeah, they, and then like, he, they killed and then the he noble from like they killed yeah. the noble president, but course, not yeah. the shit heel yeah. like chief of staff. But again, like, that's that's such a flashback too of like, oh, it's another one of the remember when presidents were always portrayed as very moral and mm -hmm. like yep. caring and all this stuff, and you just yep. watch it go like Oh, that's, I mean, like, it'd be interesting, like, to be a teenager watching this and going, like, oh, how interesting. Yeah, like, not having really that frame of reference for the Sorkin-esque president, yeah. for, yeah, like, yeah. the President Josiah, yeah. that I think creates that, like, moral norm around which, like, Morgan Freeman has been built yeah. in those roles as, like, heads of state. Like, they're... That idea of the the one who will look the cam look you in the eye through the camera and give you the like the very fatherly speech. Right. Yeah. Do you watch that now as a zoomer and you're like trash? Like <laughs> <laughs> what a sucker. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a what a what a sucker. <laughs> oh, so yeah, if yeah. we if we don't have if we don't have dream casting unless you do, Amanda. 
Absolutely not. Like, we, that, that takes us to, as yeah. we were invoking classics, the number of towering infernos out of five mm. that 2012 gets. Mm, I'll, I'll start it. I'll start it off. I'm going to go, I'm going to go 4.5. I'm going to go 4.5. Okay. Uh, it, it, it doesn't, it is, it, there's, I don't feel like there's really much slack in this two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, some like, you know, hangovers of the time that I can be like, no, I don't need that anymore. Um, I can, I can let go of, but, but it will take it down to the 4.5 instead of the five. But as far as like relentless punishing looks amazing to me, holds up a hundred percent, uh, action packed thrill of a time it, it, that it's, it's beyond, it's beyond reproach. So it's 4.5 for me. I, I'm going uh, four and a quarter only because it's it's really fun. It's really good. It moves really well still. Um, I am a little bit grading it on the Roland Emmerich sliding scale where yeah. I'm kind of like <laughs> mentally going, okay, if you're totally telling me you can only have one, bring with you one Roland Emmerich film to the like desert island. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go day after tomorrow. Um, mm. Okay. Oh, that's just, that's, that's I think I'd personal... go with 2012 over day after. See, and that's fair. I just, I, I, I get do. it. Uh, but that I, I realized less. I don't own it on DVD, which for me is unusual to not own. <laughs> I, I to not own that physically, um, yeah. and that to me was like, okay, that that's going to have to inform the vote a little bit. Is that I didn't feel it, I needed to physically have it. So that's a good that's a good indicator. Four and a quarter's good, but yeah, just not not quite up at a five for me um, yeah. enthusiastically the way that I would want it to be. I don't know if I rated Day After Tomorrow higher or lower than that though. So. <clears throat> <laughs> my ratings mean nothing it was the snow wolves <laughs> that took me out of uh, uh, the day after tomorrow <laughs> that was the sequence I wait what are what where are we in there but it's a fun movie um I gotta I just on a scale of pure entertainment value mm-hmm. taking mm-hmm. all morality and, yeah, right. and yeah. politics out of it because sure. I'm just going like this movie was made to be fun yeah Totally. I think I, I think I gotta lean into a five on this one because I, I get it. it is so should. relentlessly fucking entertaining. No. Even when you're going like, what the hell? Yep. It's just, yeah. there's always, there's not a moment you don't want to watch. Yes. And I can't, I truly can't, I can't think of how actually a movie like this is more exciting. Yeah. I don't like, it's it, like, I think it, like it is, it, the cup is full. Like there's no, like it, 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 there's no room for more. It's it is, so, yeah. so fucking thrilling. Yeah. I can't imagine watching a disaster movie and being like, I am more wildly entertained and 2012 could have gone a little further out of its way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just don't think so. No, it is the monk pouring the tea into the cup of yes. Yep. It over, is over pouring. Yes. Yeah. Um, this movie is a heavy pour. But here's now here now here's the interesting thing to throw in. Yes. The Rotten Tomatoes score on this movie is 38%. Wow. And I go like, fuck you guys fuck for you not guys. just having yeah. fun. What's what wrong you? with you? Why does every movie yeah. have to be so goddamn important? Yeah. You know? Why are you right. grading against Brisson right now? <laughs> yeah. Like, what Trust is that me. shit? Ugh. Like I, I, I'm doing, I'm doing a, I'm doing a, a movie watch thing this week for for Vulture, making a bit of a cameo return back on the account, and we're doing nice. What Lies Beneath, which oh, nice. I, I think is, uh, it's, it's practically flawless. I mean, my God, that is one of the greatest, like, like PG thirteen thrillers, like mm. pseudo erotic thrillers, pseudo haunted house, like, just it is such a, in the star power of it. These great performances has like a fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like. <laughs> What was this supposed to be? The fucking Godfather? Like, yeah. Yeah. Gr- get over yourself. Grow up. 
like I, I, and I, I, would be something I would say in the sign off anyway, but like I'm starting a, a, another podcast with a friend called Ots Tyrion, where we just, it's entirely dedicated to making the case for what horror movies of the new millennium era belong in the Criterion Collection, because they're never going to go in there. But if you grade these things as they exist in the cultural climate in which they existed and critique them on that bell curve, well, then they're tremendous works in a lot of ways and so worthy of dissection and discovery and and canonization. So the the idea of grading something like this and being like, you kind of, it makes me want to look at people like, what did you want that yeah. wasn't this? Well, that's exactly it. I mean, look, first of all, cri- uh, Carnival of Souls is on Criterion, so some of these newer ones can be on there. Yeah, yeah. And, but no, I, here I learned this when uh, I made the movie Unaccompanied Minors, this, this that Christmas movie, right. and I cast Lewis Black, who at the mm-hmm. time was very, very popular on The Daily Show, and it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. In it, you know, is the the, you know, the the nemesis to these kids, and he was so funny. And all these reviews came out just like excoriating me about like, you know, having Lewis Black in there and he's not allowed to do his normal act and he can't swear and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you guys, it's, it's a kid's movie. You know that, right? So <laughs> I'm the asshole because I didn't let him say fuck. You know, it's like, <laughs> what curve are you grading this on? Like, I, I can't yeah. compete with, with whatever yeah, like, your criteria is. It's Were they going to have that same complaint about Inside Out or so? You know, like what? Yeah. I know. Right, yeah. What, what is your expectation? You yeah, know, there's we no really sex scenes in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's for kids. We really should have cut Bing Bong's head off if we meant what we said. Like, there wasn't enough blood in Inside Out kind of situation. I so, you know, look, if you, if you aim to entertain yeah. solely to entertain, then you're, you're going to take the slings and arrows, but you make movies that people want to watch over and over again. Hopefully. Yep. So, yeah, as as I do. As as we are gathered here today to talk about 20 fucking 12. That's <laughs> exactly. the reason. End of that. You're here. They, like, I was, again, watching it on, like, a, a screen larger that I've had in my homes at previous points of my life being like, I've rewatched this before, never on something like this. And this is tremendous. Like, I wish I could have 15 people at my house right now and we could all just be like screaming with popcorn oh, flying yeah. out of our mouths. Totally. Yeah. In jubilation at John Cusack out running a pyroclastic flow. Like, <laughs> I, one day, this, when one day we'll be able to gather again and I really want to like, create a draft house divas screening where just like we all gather together (laughs) once a month and just like whatever we're watching we're all watching it together (laughs) that would be the greatest thing ever i mean we're out of this mess let's to be able to like gather and then we're just all gonna watch geostorm oh god greenland can you imagine if we get to oh my god first time greenland in a group a 12 hour endurance test Mm -hmm. of just gerard butler a 12 hour endurance I oh would watch God, yes. 12 hours of Gerard Butler saving the world the way that I'll watch, watch anything has fallen as long as Gerard <laughs> Butler is in the middle of it. Absolutely. Oh as God. long as it's not Gerard that's fallen. Yeah, right. I, I, I wouldn't have London's fallen. That's right. one of my favorites. We, we are well, inching up on the two hour mark, so oh, I'll, yeah, I'm going to step in my producerial role this and, and say, let's just I was just going to say, we can like we can move into our sign offs, which you absolutely don't have to. Uh, we generally allow guests to go before I'm we do our <laughs> time. He's in um, so, yeah, like we we uh, we 
we'll go through our rounds until you know where we can find ourselves and we'll ask where can we find you Paul Feig yes. anything you want to promote like anything you want to talk about yourself with yeah, anything yeah, you I, want to I will actually promote one, my, my gin my gin yeah. is out hey. uh, it's called hey. Artingstall's Gin exactly oh. go to artingstallsgin.com artingstallsgin.com and, and it's all over Canada and it's it's now it's almost national here but uh, when you go there you can see where to get thank you I'm very very proud of it now do you you really like you are you you are a martini enthusiast. You yes. you are a cocktail guy. Yes, I do you, am. Do you re- you truly feel that like this is now this is the thing I will use to make my drinks? Like this yes. is oh my- yeah, this is the only thing I drink now. I mean, it's because I love gin. I, I formulated it because I want to make a gin that that is the one that I could never find that I love. So mm-hmm. um, so there you go. So anyway, check that out. Okay. Yeah. I'm so glad you had something to promote. We're all, you know, we're just all the same here because I have a Patreon and yes. that's the same thing is, you know, <laughs> patreon.com slash Cruciola where I, uh, I do hope uh, you guys go check it out because I just wrote a very passionate case for why Sydney Prescott should not ever be killed in the Scream franchise, oh, yeah. uh, regardless nice. of what you think is n- essential to raise the stakes of it or reestablish <laughs> it. So get on there, check it out, and you know, oh, yeah. find me on Twitter at Jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U, and of course, at A Simple Podcast. We have a, oh. another, we have our last batch of episodes coming up, and we oh. have um, some fun things in store. So I do <laughs> hope you guys will <laughs> stay with us to check that out. Yeah. And Jason. Amanda, Jason. Oh. Uh, so you can find me. Um, I have just a Twitter. Uh, that's Amanda R. Tubbs with two B's. Two B's. Um, <laughs> and uh, I guess I might as well plug it again. Um, you can also find the link for the weird little fan fiction book I wrote about baseball player Chase Utley fighting in World War II called Le <laughs> Renard Argente. Yeah. Uh, you can find that on Amazon um, or linked on my Twitter account. And... Uh, Otherwise, you can just find me sitting in my apartment oh, yeah. and staring into space. <laughs> and fighting off the mailman with Kit. Yeah, and, and trying to get my dog to stop barking at the delivery people who are so, <laughs> so nice about it. Uh, Jason, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jason Halftones. It's comics and illustration and all that fun stuff. That's, that's all nice. there is there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm, Paul, I'm Paul Feig, uh, at, at Paul Feig on Instagram and there Twitter. There you go. <laughs> do check out Paul. Do check do, out do Paul's check work out. and Paul's gin. Yes, yes, um, please. We, we are, and Paul, thank you so much for spending oh. a, a morning with us, an yes. afternoon with us. This has been so much fun. I've been so looking forward to this. This has been the greatest. I've been stuck in a rewrite that I'm just like, oh, slogging <laughs> through. So it's like, oh, I can't wait to go and talk to you guys. No, well, so thank Earthquake you so is yours. Earthquake yeah. is yours. Oh, yes. And you're ready to come is- back. You Anytime it. you want that. Yeah. I know you're okay. you said you're going off to, to work soon uh for production stuff, but if, when you get back, if you want to reset with a little bit of earthquake, we are here for you. The you disaster you. you are a disaster diva of the highest <laughs> yes. order. Oh, I'm from in. The oh, highest I'm disaster I'm gonna get tattooed yeah. on my arm tomorrow. <laughs> 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 Thanks so much. I think you guys are the greatest. I really this so is much, so Paul. entertaining. Really it's my I do an hour walk every morning. It's so fun to put on, <laughs> put on you. your show and uh, listen to it. So thank you. I, yeah, so I, I look forward to you to you uh, coming back and joining us again, Paul. Yes, so, yeah. we, we will do all of our uh, administrativa here. Yeah, we still have to figure. We still have to figure out what movie I, we're doing for next week because we aren't. We have to figure out what movie we're doing for next week, guys. Yes, we will. Yeah, anyway. we're, you, we're doing a gap. So there's. Uh, yeah. So it's we have a cool guest and then a gap and then another cool guest. Oh, nice. So your episode will be a week from Wednesday. So yeah. oh, great, perfect. Yeah, I, yeah, we will. I will DM you the link once it's yes. live. Thank you. I will be talking to you, Jordan. I know. Okay, yeah, yeah. I will be talking to you. Great. All right, I got it. Now we have a Zoom meeting with a first AD. So oh, okay, I will... go, go, 
have a thank great you rest of your day. so much. Thanks, Paul, so much. Paul have a great Cheers. rest of your day. Well, that was amazing. That was, was just, yeah, that was that was uh, it, eternal gratitude to Paul Feig for for giving us so much of his time to get into the nitty gritty of 2012 by Roland Emmerich. Yes, and so next week a movie almost um, as right. Almost as as epic. Uh, Of a similar caliber. Yes, we've got Deadly Voltage from 2016. A fractured family caught in a deadly lightning storm is forced to come together to save their lives. You know, as one does in a deadly lightning storm. As one does. Mm -hmm. As one does. That's available for viewing on uh, Tubi, because why not? And then also Vudu, um, and you might be able to get it on Google Play Movies. I don't know. Probably. Uh, so find yourself deadly. <laughs> find yourself deadly voltage, and uh, come on back next week. And yeah, join it'll us. be it'll be it'll be uh, a top level of exciting. We were the, really the, oh, the yeah. best possible level of excitement for for deadly voltage. Yes, <laughs> as excited as we can be. We'll be significantly less dapper without Paul, but That's we will true. still be animated. Maybe I'll, uh-huh, wear, uh-huh. I'll I'll put on a suit to try and like you know even out the playing field. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Uh, before we leave, just one more thing. Oh, as always, please remember to take a second to rate and review us. Um, those always yes. help help tremendously. Share us on Twitter. Set, share us with your friends. Do what I did, which is send my dad a text message with a link directly to our podcast and said, mm. when you're ready to listen, click this. There you go. There you go. <laughs> send Peering that to your friendly. friends. Now, send that to your loved ones. I do want to just like issue a challenge that maybe at whatever our next sort of benchmark is that we uh, are able to see pictures of Amanda's volcano costume. Oh, that's oh. actually okay. So to be fair, that is actually visible just still on the internet. Oh, but yes, um, if you, I, you know what? If but still, you, we can share it so that people if can we find reach, it easily. Reach fifty, if right? If we reach fifty reviews and ratings on iTunes, uh, yes, we will. I will put up the photo of me in a volcano hat from twenty from two thousand nine. Hell yeah, hundred percent. I think I might still have it somewhere in my apartment, so I will wear it again. Perfect. <laughs> I will wear it again. Um, if we that sounds if we, great. If we hit fifty ratings and reviews by what do we want to say? End of November. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is on. This is on your shoulders now, guys. So it's all right. it's, it's all on you. Perfect. Cool. And yeah, we'll see y'all back next week for Deadly Voltage. Stay safe till then, everybody. Bye. 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 Man, this is, a, this is uh, I, I'm so excited. All I've been right. looking forward to this all week. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is the most real thing in my life. <laughs> um, we, are all, we are all united under the banner of disasters um, here, here, here. as we live that. them and take them in. So all right, I will, I will kick us off. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>